Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. And a fine Saturday morning to you. It's a fine Saturday morning and a very special episode. It's a VSP. Hello. JJ's finally coming of age. Yeah, we have JJ. We may see Steve pop up. We'll see. As long as you keep the moil away from me, I'm happy. It's, it, is early, <laughs> it is early the day after uh, Christmas as we record this, and we think 
Steve may have gotten run over by a reindeer. Does that mean Steve is grandma? <laughs> yeah, I had today. no idea. He may. <laughs> oh, yeah. Could it be something with the time thing? Could it be the so, maybe confusing about the Arizona? I don't think so. Portland time. Right, we are. Arizona confusing. is confusing, yeah. but he yeah. usually is on top of that. So, Andy. Why, why are we here? What are we doing today? Well, we decided, perhaps foolishly, but we decided to venture into <laughs> list territory, and uh, and here we are. We decided to do our uh, the uh, the TNR team's top twenty five lists of the decade, the twenty tens. Regardless of the argument of the decade starting in twenty ten or twenty eleven, we ten years of movies. We're right? doing ten Got years it. of movies from twenty ten yeah. through twenty nineteen. We we are looking at uh, our favorite twenty five. Is I, I don't know. I guess we should discuss. Are they our favorites? Are they the best? Oh. Are they what are they? My, they're my favorites, and I'm really glad that we're having <laughs> yeah. this conversation about numbers right now. Because if I had done that wrong, like I have some twenty tens in here, so that's going to really mess things up. But yeah, no, they're my. F- favorites but i think that means best for me right i mean these are the best movies for me um and because there are movies that would end up on other best lists i wouldn't try to be objective you know in making my own best list i want to say since i you've given me the power with which to say these are the best movies i'm going to make them that they're my favorites so yeah i think the only thing for me is that when i was approaching this list the thing that i found difficult for this list was um if if i just look at my flick chart it is like the top 25 is chock full of the the major franchises. And I, I had some real trouble with like I, I wanted to put uh, an artificial break on how many of the major franchises make it into my top list because there were so many movies that I do consider my top. And so I have a, a number of different variations of my list and some of them in like the one I think I'm going to go with includes, I think, one of each of the major franchises. I like, I like that and methodology. For then you. sort of they it, it it rolls them up in that movie. Let's just say. I yeah, don't know, Andy, you're you're one all about rules. <laughs> right. I, I kind of did something similar because I likewise mine had more than I liked of a lot of those franchises. And so I kind of I thinned yeah. it out. My methodology was not so much the the franchise. It was more although it ended up being that way, but it was more specifically to director. And so I didn't let a mm. film end up in my top 25 uh, from the same director twice. And sometimes that, a lot of it was just to help thin it out because my list was pretty beefy. And so I had to have some, you know, real uh, battles (laughs) between a couple of films from the same director trying to kind of cut it down to just one film. And so uh, so I I will have some in here that I'm like, gosh, I wish that other film was in here too. But um, wow, you held yourself to that. I will say I wouldn't want to do that because foreshadowing or spoiler (laughs) alert, uh, one and two. So I would definitely I want to do that. Right. So, um, but yeah, I I think that's, I think both of, and and doing a franchise perspective, doing it from a director perspective, I think those are both interesting methodologies, but I wouldn't want to do that for my own list for the reasons I just described. No. And yeah, I, right. Cause it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) See, why hurt yourself? This is supposed to be for fun. Let's indulge. Uh, I did it for (laughs) variety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why I started feeling like Andy talks about big battles. Like I, I found myself arguing with myself in a way that like was kind of uh, 
I don't know. Weird. There's there's a sad Pete in there somewhere oh, who was Pete. who was like, oh come on, Pete. You know that there are movies that are like movie twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. They're so sad if you put just all Star Wars movies on there. <laughs> so let's just roll it up and say they're representative and be done. You're going to be okay. So well, if the Oscars can oh. do it by awarding uh, Return of the King <laughs> Best Picture yes. to cover all three of the films, then we can too. You, Andy, that is a great point. We are the new Oscars. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, sad, I guess. Welcome to the next release. The Tinners. The Tinners. And I guess we should just say Uh, as a last, or not a last note, because Pete's got something to say, but um, we aren't (laughs) full time film critics. So there are plenty of movies that we haven't seen. This is based on just what we've seen. That's a super good point. Yes. Um, well, yes. And the only thing I was going to add is that you'll know that when you hear Tommy's list, because he only comes with 17 and they're in alphabetical order <laughs> for a decade. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so good. And he's not only not a critic, but he's a filmmaker. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, okay, how would you like to start? Andy? I guess we'll just uh, we'll just take it away and we'll just start with number 25 and work our way down to number one. So great. Um, who wants to kick it off? I'll do mine. All right. Take it away, okay. JJ. My number 25 is Edge of Tomorrow um, mm. with uh, Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise. Uh, um, I was surprised that it came in so low for me. But yes, 25 of the decade for me, Edge of Tomorrow. That was so close to being on my list. And that was one that I really wanted. Didn't make yours. Interesting. I, I, yeah, wow. No, I, okay. I don't know why I couldn't squeeze it in, but I just had others that ended up pushing ahead of it. Okay. My number 25 is Zero Dark Thirty, 2012. Oh, sure. Which is great. I just watched the report last night, and what a way to kind of follow that. I noticed film up, that. So, yeah. Oh, and I loved that it actually did well for you. That's that excites did, me. Didn't it's, make my list either, but such a great movie. I, you know, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. pull anything from that. Yeah, it didn't make my list, but yeah. it's another one that's it's way up there for me. For my twenty-five, I uh, this is a film that I think I, I was actually surprised it ended up. I kind of was surprised it made my list, but then I was like, I really shouldn't be surprised because it's a great, great movie and it's so intense. Uh, it's Whiplash from Damien Chazelle. So that's my number twenty-five. Oh, well, I don't need to say anything <laughs> about that yet. Not yet. It'll be a while before I say that again. Not no. yet, sir. Not yeah, yet. I, I figured <laughs> that right. I would probably be the one with the lowest uh, showing of that one out here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but it, man, is it good. Okay. And then, yeah. so we're going to do, so with Tommy's list, we said there's 17. So we'll start so with him just, at 17. So he'll come at yeah. 17. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so that's back to you, JJ. Okay, so we want to do 24 for me. Uh, I have The Big Short, 2014. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And I think this was surprising to me somewhat that it made my list, but it was it was an Oscar-celebrated uh, movie. Oh, sure. So don't feel yeah. bad of it, about it being there. And it was very... Uh, it was very uh, affecting to me. It was a very remarkable film when I watched it. So I was, uh, I th- for me, it merited being on the list at 24. That's so funny. I that one actually, I would be talking about it. I love it so much, but it's in it's in the top 30. Let's just say that it didn't actually make my top. I I'm surprised, like I because I like you, JJ. I put a whole list together and it just kept going until I hit 60, and it didn't mm-hmm. end up on there. And I'm like, God, did I just forget about that one completely? <laughs> Yeah. I must have because oh, I'm concerned uh, yeah. about that for us too. By the way, because there's so sure. many movies oh, yeah. in a decade, yeah. but yeah, I'm sure of it. Yeah. And I have a I, I talked about this a little before, but I have a good list of 52. So if it pops into my yeah. l- later yep. half, we'll do it that way. So perfect, perfect. 
And we're go. We're go. Okay. Welcome, Yay. Steve. Look at you. Look who's sn- <laughs> top of the <laughs> morning, Andy and JJ and Pete. The fast forward catch up. So, yeah. wow. Okay. So you guys have been recording for half an hour and you got through one movie, huh? <laughs> okay. a heck of a start. Well, to be fair, we waited for somebody who's alive. Yes. Uh, all right, all right. There was a lot of that. Okay. 20, What's your 25, right. Steve? My 25. Uh, room. Ah, oh, okay. Excellent. Oh, excellent. Sure. That just missed the cut right. for me. Haven't seen it. What? Oh, really? It's, oh, it's that would one. be an intense uh, one for you, JJ. Yeah, it, it would be very intense. It's one that, uh, as my wife and I were looking at some of the top lists for each of the years, she was like, how come no one's mentioning Room? And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. And that's one that just, uh, I think, is easy to forget. But, you know, Brie Larson wins an Academy Award, right? And uh, just a really powerful movie. I think it's one that put her on the radar. And I think it's one that's worth uh, remembering for the decade. Absolutely. Totally. All right. All right. So we were on 20. So uh, we were yeah. on 24. That catches up. So Steve is now caught up. JJ did the big short. So yeah, is it my yes. turn? 24 for oh, you is awesome. Well, my 24 is Knives Out. Oh, uh, wow. Tried, as you know, I tried as hard as I could to avoid the curse of recency and at least be a little bit level headed, but I so enjoyed Knives Out. It just landed right up near the Love top. Of the decade. Love to hear that. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I also went with the 2019 film for my 24 spot. Um, and I will say, I did actually try to make sure I had at least one film represented from each year. That was one other rule I had for I myself. I don't know if I have a 2019. Uh, well, my 2019 is not, uh, I, I don't, I know you didn't see it, JJ. I don't know who else did, but it was a fantastically freaky horror movie. It was Midsummer, which mm. really just uh, was uh, Ari Aster's, just a, you know, kind of a, a beautifully horrifying film in every way i just completely loved it so that was my number 24 now tommy loved that movie too and i don't think he put that on his list no he didn't i think uh he did it's on his list did oh, he, he, did. he didn't make it to the m's <laughs> i thought oh, i saw it never mind no, no you're right he i'm not sure that he loved that strange. movie so he might have missed yeah. that one but i think that whole 2019 thing is kind of difficult i i'm looking at my list i don't think i have a 2019 on my list yeah. so oh that's not true i do okay anyway keep going <laughs> All right. Steve, 24. All right, so Steve. Steve, 24. Um, I, you know, I what did I put? Oh, this one. Oh, JJ, this will be on your list. I'm pretty sure. Uh, this is uh, one that I'd heard a lot about, and I remember uh, my brother had seen it, and it was like, You, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. So he had already seen it. I'm watching it. I don't know how to take the tone of this movie. He's laughing hysterically. I'm like, What is wrong with him? This is a really weird movie. Then my wife hadn't seen it, so I watched it with her. I'm laughing hysterically the second time I see it because I'm starting to get it. And she's like, what's wrong with you with my number 24 movie, The Lobster? Yay, The Lobster. I love nice. that you call it hysterical. Um, it, of it, course, it's, it's going to awesome. show up on my list, but in a much later point. Yes, but it's one that, yeah, the first time you're like, this is just strange. And then the second time you you know what's going on and it's it's hilarious. Yes. Cool. That came close to landing on my list, but didn't quite make the cut. That was a great one, though. Okay, right. 23. 23. 23 for me is The Force Awakens. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, there we oh, go. Yeah. So all right. franchise people out there, maybe we'll hear stuff from that franchise later for you. But that is the top Star Wars movie on my list at 23 wow. of the decade, The okay. Force Awakens. And no other movies made my top 52 in the franchise. The whole franchise. Wow. 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 All right. I'm crying. I'm crying on the <laughs> uh, My number 23. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm just being uh, honest. Yeah. 
my number 23 is Her 2013. Uh, adored that movie. And actually, this is one of the ones where I looked at it and I thought, oh, I'm so sad it's not higher. But it did make my 25 of the decade. Number 52 on my list. Oh, that's it was a the good last, one. It was the last that I included into the pool. That's uh, it's it's way up on my list, but it's not it didn't end up making my top 25. Got it. For my uh, spot 23, it ended up being uh, Barry Jenkins' Moonlight, which I found mm. to be an incredibly affecting film. And uh, certainly a, a year I thought the Oscars uh, did get it right, despite all the uh, mix ups that that took place. Uh, it's just a, a wonderful film. So that's my 23. Oh, uh, Andy, you didn't get the note that 23 was supposed to be a sci-fi film because I also have a sci-fi <laughs> film on this one. Uh, this one, this was, uh, there, there were potentially two from this, um, director on my, my list. And I, I, I tried to not duplicate direct. I was trying to not weigh it too heavily. And I, out of the two, this one, it just struck me a lot more. And I think it's perhaps because I saw it in the theater versus the other one I saw, you know, sort of like. And on my television streaming first, but uh, for 23, I went with probably one of the most uh, oddly moving films that I, I didn't expect to hit me in the gut the way it did. And that is uh, Annihilation with Natalie Portman, mm. which was just a, a really yeah. powerful movie for me. Uh, so I, I don't think it made a lot of people's list, but for me, it's it really showed, uh, I don't know, a, a potential of of this director, uh, Alex Garland, moving forward. And I'm expect, continuing to expect great things from him in really unique and powerful storytelling. I haven't seen it, um, but I'm and I and I haven't decided yet if I want to just go watch it or I want to read the books first, because the books uh, I've heard doesn't are very matter. Inter interesting in a very different way. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but I tend to the energy to see uh, to read the book if I've seen the movie doesn't exist for me. So that's why I've kind of been holding off on it. Um, also, uh, Andy, I would say that Moonlight for me, I mean, it's, it's undeniable. No one sort of commented on that, but undeniable how effective that movie was, how how remarkable it was. It, it didn't make my list, though, because personally, yeah. I didn't find it um, effective. Sure, sure. Um, and I bring that up in a great irony because my 22 is uh, Inside <laughs> Out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we go from a best film that has this huge resonance for everyone in the world, but this kind of gets to the, you know, your definition of um, MVP here. This uh, Inside Out uh, from Pixar was a really special and life changing, like philosophy changing movie for me. Um, I cannot get through it without being deeply emotionally affected and figuring out how to uh, sort of list my emotions by five drivers, I think, uh, <laughs> has been such a powerful thing for me in talking about myself and then also for me relating to my children. So um, I think and talking with my children. So that's why Inside Out comes at 22 on my list. Nice. My my number 22 represents the I think one of the greatest falls from uh, greatness uh, akin to the cliff jumping scene in Midsommar. Uh, what starts with a movie that makes my top 25, I don't even know where the second film shows up. It's so far down on my list. It's Kingsman, The Secret Service. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, deeply enjoyed Kingsman. It did very well. Who the hell cares where the second one is? Yeah, right. Yep. What happened with that? <laughs> yep. come up maybe, maybe the third one will absolve the sins of that second one. We'll see. Anyway, yeah. my 22, I, uh, I like JJ, went with an animated film. 
uh, in uh, a different style, though. This is a film that uh, I think it hit me because the ending uh, turned it into something else that I wasn't expecting at all. And it hit me really hard. It is the Lego movie. The way that that film changes at the end um, just reset the whole film for me in the most beautiful way. And uh, I just... (laughs) I wasn't expecting that from a movie about Legos. So that is my number 22. <laughs> number 40 for me. Oh. Lego movie. Such a good one. So great. 22. Uh, yeah, Pete, you didn't get the animated movie memo for 22? I mean, come on. <laughs> that is, this one's probably higher up on your list. Uh, but for me, uh, it's, it's a genre that... And when, I'm, when I'm making my top list, it's a, it's a real struggle for me. I, and I'm thinking of... I don't. I don't want to say it's not great movies, but I, I don't know. There's something that, as you know, when we talk about things on the billboard, I think about importance and theme and message and all of that stuff. So, Lego Movie isn't going to end up on my list, although it was a great fun movie. But for me, a movie that combined animation and fun and really important messages about um, things like anyone can wear the mask in Into the mm, Spider Verse yeah. is my number twenty two. That'll definitely be yep. popping up again. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad you bring up um, movies that are on the show, Steve. Uh, my yeah. 21 um, was something, you know, we're going to find some things on this list where I'm really thankful for the show, um, for being a part of the next reel, because the my 21 is a movie that I never would have seen, never would have known about. And I think a lot of people still don't. Um, uh, in fact, I shared it with Tommy at one point after we did it on Trailer Rewind, and he like saw it afterwards and was really moved by it, too. For me, it's false. Oh, and if yes. people haven't oh, seen it, my gosh, I yes. think it is it is a small film, but it is so remarkable. And it was such a a moving thing for me. I don't know if you remember on the day that we did the show, Steve, it was also the day that I took the dissociative experiences scale with my yes. therapist. Oh, yes. That was <laughs> quite the day. A, and then watched a movie about um, uh, being brainwashed by a cult. Uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> was that an interesting anecdote in uh, TNR history? Yes. Um, it, so it makes for an interesting show if people reach back into the thing, but also uh, that's why it belongs on my top move of the decade. So faults at 21. Oh, excellent. Yes. That's outstanding. <laughs> uh, I, my number 21 represents, I think one of those times that are becoming less rare uh, where I see a movie and then I do a show on it and realize by default, this movie has just become a guilty pleasure of mine. <laughs> I'm talking about 2018's first man. Oh, oh wow. Really? Wow. Didn't make my list. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Surprising no one. <laughs> no one? No. <laughs> I, I was on the, the scale with you, Pete. I thought it was a pretty enjoyable film. It was not in my top list, but I still found it to be a lot more enjoyable than everyone else who you talked to about it on the show. <laughs> it's like I saw a different yeah. movie. <laughs> uh, my 21 is, it was a small film that came out. It was another 2019 film. Uh, that came out uh, and kind of came and went, but it was an incredibly affecting film for me. I just, it was like the modern day fight club. It it was uh, about masculinity and just about kind of being in group and just, uh, there was so much going on in it. Um, it was Riley Stern's The Art of Self-Defense. And that oh. film just, it worked so well for me. And I wish that it uh, it got seen by more people, but it's definitely a film that I think is is uh, worth checking out because it's um, it, it's saying quite a bit. So that's that that's my spot 21. Viggo Mortensen, is that it's, right? No, it's uh, no, Jesse no, no, no. Eisenberg. Yeah. 
Oh yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, ended I up in my yeah. in my thirties. It's so yeah. good, and I I don't know. I I feel like that's one of those movies that's going to keep getting better. Yeah, right, like Fight right. Club. Every time I see it, it's Definitely. better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that's hilarious. I mean, that's really funny because Rodney Stern's also directed uh, wrote Faults. Um, so oh. we got that. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Yes. So th- there we go. Um, but um, I'm doing one that uh, was also one on the show and JJ, a trailer rewind for me that really um, moved me because uh, it really talked about the uh, relationship between a, a father and child in uh, just a really powerful movie from a, a filmmaker that's going to show up actually again on my my list. Uh, and that is uh, Leave No Trace. Oh, which is cool. one that yeah. just uh you know set up you know one of our many trailer rewind movies set up in the portland area that we talked about this yep. uh this year but one <laughs> one in which horses don't get hit by cars oh jeez yes. <laughs> oh my goodness that's uh, a uh that's a yeah that was the one i missed i still have to check that one out you have not Didn't seen leave no list, trace oh but i have seen it on other lists as i was yeah. gathering for this um it, uh, it it's a it's an it's an interesting movie so if well, you haven't seen it you should and I think at this point we've done our our uh, twenty five through twenty one. Yes. Are we yeah. taking a, a pause here, Steve, for something? Were you going to? Yeah. Stopping every five. Yeah, just to sort of reflect on some of the key sort of uh, I don't know if I want to say innovations, trends, you know, sort of things that happened in the decade. And one of the first things I wanted to talk about was the way we watch movies and how that's changed. Because if you if you look back. Netflix streaming really didn't go international till 2010. I think in the States it started around 2007, but most people were watching stuff on disc still back then. Hulu uh, launched what it would call the like Hulu Plus, which is when they actually started the network shows, uh, you know, sort of being there the next day back in November of 2010. So when, when we were, you know, a decade ago, we were pretty much still going to Blockbuster and I just was wondering if you how you're watching movies has changed. If you think back over over the decade, how much do you rely on streaming? How much do you depend on how much? You know, how, how many of you are still getting DVDs by mail? I am. That's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, right. I, I know. And Andy's got a special laser disc of the month club still going. I know that. <laughs> I when I I went through grad school and one of the things that I did while I was studying was rip my personal collection of DVDs and that was in the early aughts okay. and so I was ripping them at like three twenty by oh one eighty you yeah. know I was that was like the best I could or six, you know as soon as I could get storage enough I'd I'd actually rip them at their the correct resolution <laughs> of DVD uh, and and so um, you know that was I was already trying to get as much digital as I could watching movies on my first iPod video. Oh, wow. Like it was terrible, iPod, but wow. I just, I wanted it. <laughs> so the, the, what you describe is like, Oh God, it, that's right. Those were the days where the world caught up to my home ripping. <laughs> Started <laughs> to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, I remember when we, uh, I mean, I don't know the exact year we cut cable. It was probably, Maybe 2011, 2012, but uh, you know, Hulu just the interface was really clunky, hard to find things. My wife was really mm-hmm. not happy. Like, how can I find my shows? But it it really began that for us that transition to solely streaming of instead of media being pushed at us. Uh, but I'm going to go find it and watch it when I when I want to watch it. Um, 
right. the other the other piece was, you know, that's the death of Blockbuster as well. And if you if you haven't <laughs> yeah. read the book Netflix, I highly recommend it because it is a really compelling read about the battle between Netflix and Blockbuster and the smart moves that Netflix makes and the really awkward moves and and <laughs> dumb moves that Blockbuster makes in an attempt to try to defeat Netflix that ends up actually, you know, it ends up, you know, imploding. Yeah. Killing it. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the the thing that's uh, suffered the most, sadly, with the, the whole streaming uh, thing is a lot of older projects and uh, older films. Because, yes. I mean, and I think um, I'm blanking on his name. What's the, the screenwriter that I always suffer through? Who John August. John August. Thank you. <laughs> who, I mean, I will say he was really yes. championing, um, yes. you know, all of this because so many streaming services like he was looking for, I think, wasn't it the Flamingo Kid from the yes. 80s yeah, and Flamingo couldn't Kid. find it. And he was like, what is going on? We have all this access to to stuff via streaming, but nobody is putting any of this old stuff out there. And it, that's still a huge issue. And yes, I mean, that's is. one of the reasons that I'm still such a fan of physical media, because there are a lot of specialty houses now that are just the the places that are releasing a lot of older material that you're just not getting through the streaming services. And I don't know if the streaming services are interested in catching up. And that's the frustrating thing. And and so that is uh, largely why I keep my uh, disc subscription with Netflix, why I'm still checking stuff out from the library all the time, because there is so much content out there that is just not being moved up to streaming. And I think that is sadly going to be one of the biggest things that's going to hurt the film viewing industry uh as we move forward because you know people like my kids they're growing up just streaming everything and they they aren't going to have the interest in seeking older material out if they can't get it that way and i think that's really going to hurt it's it's the illusion of complete access right and that because you have that illusion you believe that that's true which i think is concerning not just in in terms of the old ones the old ones are the place where the biggest gaps are but when you have new movies or new movie, there's going to be a, a movie on my list here and i'll talk about it when we get there that you can't get right now you unless you go to the library or something like that and it's within the last decade and of course unless you think about it and go search for it how would you know because you have that illusion that everything's there and I think that's really interesting. No, it's a it's a really valid point, and it's one one of my favorite films uh, from like I think it's nineteen ninety nine because yeah, it was twenty years later. Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous was finally available on Hulu this year, and I had been trying to find it for years. And it was you had to try and find a used DVD on eBay, and those were going for like eighty bucks. And even the director said, "I don't think I have a, a copy of this movie." And it's it, it's one of the issues of movies that are picked up by maybe you know smaller distributors that then you know go under and then it's a question of well who owns the rights and negotiating those and figuring those out for for streaming services it again becomes the question of is it worth worth the work to try to you know figure this stuff out is there a high enough demand and you know fortunately a, a great movie like drop dead gorgeous has enough you know na recognizable names in it now that it's like well yeah people will show up for this but smaller films that are forgotten like the flamingo kid that's eh, a matt damon or uh, matt matt dylan vehicle from the mid 80s i don't know that it's you know a, a classic but 
yeah, that people have fond memories of it, but I don't know that that's enough incentive for studios to try to negotiate and figure out all the all the rights issues to get these things to streaming. So yeah, it is a valid concern of, of films disappearing. I know we, there were similar things that you know with the transition to DVD format, what movies were going to be available. Um, you know, and it's it's always the possibility that there's films that are going to be sort of lost or forgotten to the ages, which is uh, you know. As you say, it, it creates an illusion that everything's available, but really it is uh, another filter yeah. for us. But the Flamingo Kid is available through one of the uh, uh, specialty Blu-ray houses. So there you go. And Better Off Dead is available in uh, in full on YouTube. So Better anyway, off. Better uh, off dead. are we jumping back in? <laughs> yeah, let's jump yes, back let's in. Jump back okay. in. Uh, number 20 for me is a film board movie. Uh, and I think something that was really a remarkable turn in the comic book movie uh, world. I don't know if it was the one that started the turn, but it was definitely something that uh, that was remarkable for it. It's Logan for me at number 20. Something that's, uh, again, I think super remarkable of the way that the films have changed over the decade. That'll certainly oh, pop up again. I, I, it turns out I think it's more remarkable than <laughs> yeah. that. Fancy that. That's amazing. Uh, my, uh, my number 20 is one that I didn't know I was as excited about as I was. But the fact that it came out and did so well and did, uh, I think, fantastic justice to some old characters that I, I love, or certainly an old franchise, that is Creed 2017. Cool. Yeah. Uh, really did well. Yeah, didn't make my list, list, but it's a great movie. Yeah. That is, uh, it's a great movie. Uh, when we talked about this past year on yep. our uh, show in our Rocky series, so fantastic movie. Glad to see it pop up here. It's not on mine either, but it definitely warrants discussion. For my number twenty, I am uh, jumping back into the animated realm with a film that I think was for considering how much it's. Uh, uh, you know, enjoying love of things from the past. It was one of the most fresh Disney movies that I've seen in ages. And I think it's just one of their best films that they've released. It is uh, Tangled. <laughs> I like Tangled. Frozen 2. Back off, <laughs> no, Olaf's it is... Summer Adventure. <laughs> oh, oh, talk about bottom list. Sorry, sorry no, you were saying? It is Wreck-It Ralph, um, a movie oh. that follows the, the villain of a game as he's journeying to, uh, to become the hero that he thinks he is. Such a fantastic movie. It is my number 20. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. I just was driving down the street the other day and pulled up next to a, a, a truck, and it's a guy who has his own business, I assume, and it's Felix's Fix-It Service. Hey, I just thought, hello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fun. And I thought, that guy knows how to brand himself. There we go. No yeah. no Disney you know, copyright infringement. He just used, yeah. he just, you know, apparently his name's Felix, and he said, I'm going to use this to my advantage. So we can call him up say, and say, fix it, Felix. That's right. <laughs> That's right. This is the first occurrence of something. Wreck-It Ralph isn't, but this is the first occurrence of something for me where I didn't find it as I was gathering movies for it, but it belongs somewhere on the list for me is the original Frozen movie. Um, uh, I didn't find it when I was gathering. I don't know where it would place in all of my list, but that's a really special for me movie for me. And I didn't mm. find it as yeah, I was gathering my list. Yeah. I, I'm, 
as you guys are mentioning things and I'm like, ah, would that have made my list? I don't know, but I, I know I have gaps in my list um, that there's things that because I, I've used Flickchart, I use Letterboxd and there may have been stuff for whatever reason that I forgot to log in there. And I, you know, I, I, ju I jumbled some things around a little bit. Uh, but for, for my number 20, um, I went with a, a film that, again, this is probably going to be a theme. You're going to see a lot of similar types of movies like this because to me, they're just really emotionally powerful movies um, that just, I think, are really worth seeing and I think get often forgotten by a lot of the... I don't know more more noticeable. I don't for whatever reason, but this is a film that I, just everybody needs to go see because it is such a powerful experience, and that is uh, Taylor Sheridan's Wind River with Jeremy oh, Renner yeah. and um, mm -hmm. just uh, yeah. There's there's it's so good. Uh, he he's a writer that I, I think you'll be hearing from him again later in my list. Yeah, very cool. I, I haven't seen that. Um, so didn't make I uh, I, yeah. I believe I, I I believe what you guys are saying. I don't I don't know that I have a, a reason to to see the movie based on the story, but from what you're saying about the way it's made, I'm pretty sure I will want to see stuff that that person has done in the future. Number nineteen for me is. Uh, the first of the comic, well, first of the, the, I guess, the MCU that's on the list for me, because um, Logan was my last one, but this is Guardians of the Galaxy number two. Um, I was really moved by the second one. One of the sort of qualifiers for my list here is if I saw it more than once in the theater, uh, it's kind of a big deal to me because I don't do that. I just, it's just not my style. I think I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 three times in the theater. It moved me in ways I didn't expect. It took all of the great, uh, uh, the great talent of cueing music from the first one and put it on hyperdrive for me. Um, it was a perfect soundtrack to a really powerful movie, and it was uh, number 19. My next pick is a movie that I deeply enjoyed talking about um, 16 minutes ago, and that is Room. <laughs> okay, there we, there we go. Okay, there we go. Such a great movie. Uh, uh, my number 19, I, I have a lot of 2019 films kind of hitting this these uh, this area. This is one that uh, Bong Joon-ho did this year. We all uh, have, well, I don't know if JJ has seen it, but uh, Parasite is um, way up here for me. And that's my Bong Joon-ho representative film. I did cut one of his other ones out, but that's the one I picked. Number 19, Parasite. It's awesome. And we tried to see it. I think multiple times for the film board, but it's uh, it's uh, yeah. phased release made that impossible. I still do really want to see it, but I have not. Okay, uh, this this one I had trouble picking. There there are two from this director that came out in this decade, and I I I, I didn't want to put both of them on here. I I, I felt like I had to pick one, um, and they get the, both both of them belong on this list. But be, I think because of the. The story to begin again, I think, put it slightly above Sing Street on this list because I think the just Mark Ruffalo's character and the transformation his character goes through uh, to me, I think, just spoke to me a little bit more than in Sing Street. But both of them belong on this list. But I went with uh, Begin Again, and I just if you have not seen either of these films, you, your, your heart has a huge gaping void in it because this, these things <laughs> fill your heart in some way that is indescribable uh, when it comes to just writing the powerful stories and great music together. So that's, I'm going with begin again. I guess my heart has a hole in it. Haven't you seen haven't it. seen I'm either. Gonna, I've seen, uh, I've seen Sing Street. I just okay. haven't seen. Uh, I'm oh. going to call my cardiologist. Uh, yes. After this list. Oh my gosh. Um, <sighs> oh, you guys, the band scene. Oh. 
mean, when the he builds oh, it, it yes. is amazing. Yes. It's so yes. good. Begin again. Yeah. That's what yes. it's called. Yes. Begin Our, again. Yeah. Marker flow. Kira Knightley. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, that's all. Yes. Fun. And, like all those uh, and what's his name? Late late night with uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, James, James Corden. Gordon. And yeah, James and, Gordon uh, is a street yes, singer. And, uh, yeah, Haley um, Steinfeld. Steinfeld. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So check it out. So good. Yes. Awesome. Uh, my number 18 is a film board movie that took me by surprise. Was it a film board? Yes. In other words, it, you guys did it, I think, before I joined the show. And I did it. I went back and watched it and in review as I started becoming part of the show. And it blew my mind so much that I actually wrote a blog post back when we were doing that about it. Uh, number 18 for me is Fury. Oh, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. It meant a lot to me on many yeah. different levels in a very... Uh, subjective, that's not the right word for it, but in a very layered way. And I think um, it hasn't had the resonance for everyone, but for me, it's a really special movie. It's a That's a great pick. And I it's one of those that I feel like in my shuffles, it was on my list, mm -hmm. and I don't know where it is right now, but <laughs> yeah. it's in there. It's in there. Cool. Uh, all right, Fury takes us to, oh, uh, well, another repeat for me. Edge of Tomorrow hits my number 18. That's a good one. Okay. And um, my number 18 is also yeah. another repeat. Um, I'm just going to say with this one, uh, with Logan, if you haven't watched the noir version and you're a fan of yeah. it, check it out because it's, it's it fits really nicely with that movie. So Logan, number 18 yeah. for me. Okay. Uh, number 18 for me. Uh, this was one I struggled because it's, it's one I saw once and I... I <sighs> I it's not what I'm looking forward to watching again, but it was just a really powerful experience watching it. It was nominated for Best Picture. It has some just stellar performances. I don't know that it's a film for everybody, but it's one that I just really think is one that should not be forgotten from this decade, and that is uh, P.T. Anderson's Phantom Thread. Oh, cool. Boy, that, that's probably in my bottom 100. Oh, it's just, oh. <laughs> Boy, did I hate that. <laughs> oh, to, for me, it just works so well. It has it just works on multiple levels and just has so many things to say. Well, I have yeah. seen, I'm already, yeah, I'm already noticing the change in, like, the how great it is to see. I'm taking these lists and putting them side by side and how great it is that I, I'm feeling less obligation to put certain movies on my list, mostly because Steve has put them on his. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Phantom Thread is not actually one of those. I didn't hate it like yeah. Andy did, but it didn't work for me um, like like it did. Well, and I, so, I haven't seen um, I have seen it on other best lists. So that's the other thing. It, yeah. it may be I and I yeah. haven't seen it. So it might be a movie that is uh, resonates with some and not with L, which I think is interesting. My next movie is very much like that too, and that's number seventeen for me uh, with an exclamation mark. Uh, Mother. Uh, by Darren oh, Aronofsky. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. That okay. is not a movie for everyone, but uh, I really love Aronofsky and it totally jibed with me. If you haven't seen it, don't get spoiled. Uh, don't read the IMDb page. No. Uh, check it out <laughs> because it's a it's an interesting poem um, and deserves some real thought. And it is a moving movie, but be prepared because it's way crazy intense. And there's one oh, scene yeah. that there's one moment that turned a lot of people off. I will say it was a very brutal moment. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's oh. really interesting movie. Pete. Uh, Pete. Yep. Oh, yeah. it's yes. me. Oh God. You know, it's like I'm bored of myself because I've got a whole string of repeats right now. Uh, but, but then uh, this one pops up and I'm, I'm actually surprised I'm the first person to enter it onto the list. And that is Mad Max. Fury oh, Road. oh cool. that's, that's coming later. That'll be, yeah, yeah that'll be yeah. later. 
My number 17, um, it's the third of my animated films on my list. And this one, I wasn't expecting to like at all. We actually just talked about it uh, on last week's Satmap because I ended up loving it so much. It is Wes Anderson's <laughs> Isle of Dogs, which oh, yeah. totally yeah. took me by surprise. And it's way, I mean, it shot up there so fast on my list of Wes Anderson favorites, uh, just so completely unexpected um, because I saw the trailer and I was like, that looks ridiculous. Uh, and I don't know what I was thinking because it's one of my favorites, Isle of Dogs, number yeah. 17. I'm so glad. So good. <laughs> yes, so good. it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, all right. Seventeen. This I I felt like I wanted this one to be higher, but because uh, it's just flat out fun. And of I guess of the franchises that had a trilogy in this decade, this is is my top trilogy because it's just bonkers fun. And this when I first saw this movie, I. I think the comment that I don't remember who said it, where I read it, but it said, this is the greatest comic book adaptation of source material that isn't actually a comic book. And that is 2014's John Wick. The whole trilogy for me just really is just ridiculous fun. Uh, but 2014, I think just is a pivotal point when this movie comes out of really redefining the action movie and taking it in a new direction. Brilliant world creating an iconic character that they have to me just done such a great job of developing the universe, the story. Uh, there were rumors that Netflix was developing a series on the hotel, the continental. I'm still waiting for that to happen because I would love to just spend more time in this universe. That's a good one. Didn't end up making my list, but what a great movie. I'm, sorry, I'm regretting that, but again, it's one of those that Steve got it. So <laughs> I thought for it's sure, Pete, it was going to be in here somewhere. I yeah. know. You know what, Steve? I, I'm looking at my list. I'm like, how how did that miss my Steve, list? It absolutely should have Pete, Pete said, you know what? But the stunts. The stunts weren't there. Didn't even get a nomination <laughs> for the third one. <laughs> It didn't make my list. Uh, who's going to be the uh, custodian or the, the patron of Tommy's list? Oh, I guess I can just jump in. I, it's one that's already been repeated. Uh, and again, this is just alphabetical for Tommy. Um, it is Annihilation. <laughs> that is on brand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Annihilation is uh, what we will throw out from him gotcha. right here, which yeah makes sense for, for him. For my number 16, it is a movie from 2019, and it isn't my top listed movie from 2019 on this list, but it is my favorite movie from last year. And I don't know how that works logically or to reconcile my brain. But for me, it's Booksmart, which I think is oh, actually, yeah. uh, as people go back and see, I think it's going to have more and more resonance for people mm -hmm. as a special movie. And I think it belongs in the best of the decade list. Uh, mine is a repeat, but I want to, um, I, I want to call it out specifically and a little bit more slowly because of what it represented for me. And that is, uh, this is a movie that I think it finally cemented my transformation uh, from someone who didn't like horror to someone who deeply appreciated what this movie did in horror for me. And that is, uh, once again, Midsommar. Um, that was a crazy impactful movie for me. I got so, so much out of it, uh, it, it that uh, I, I, and it, I'm very surprised that it made my top 25. I would not have ever predicted that a movie like this would have, have done that, let alone at number 16. That is awesome. For a decade. It's awesome. Ugh. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that so to pop good. up on anyone else's list, so I'm thrilled to see it do yeah. so. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, that leaves me number 16. This is one that I, I really am not going to be surprised if it pops up for uh, potentially all of you uh, much higher on your list. But it is uh, my Edgar Wright entry, and mm. it is Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I just thought was such a clever <sighs> yeah. film. I had such a great time with it. So number 16 yeah. for me. Number 30 <sighs> on my list. Yeah, one, yeah, I'm I'm glad you have it on your list, Andy. Because that's what I, I was like. I don't know where to put this. And again, I, it's fun. But I always, yeah, I always go for something that I, I'm going for. Yeah, something different in my list. But thank you. Because sure. that is definitely one worth remembering from this decade. Is that to me then with my number that's 16? That's you, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. JJ, hit another trailer rewind with nice. this one. And I think it's one that both of us were surprised by how how strong this movie is and not getting the recognition it, it deserved. And it's the, it's one that I think just really speaks to what was going on in this decade. Um, amazing performances just all around. And that is 2016's Miss Sloan with Jessica Chastain in a stellar performance, a great movie that I, when people ask, well, what's a movie that, you know, I, you guys talked about on the show that I might have seen. I will always point them to this one because I'm like, you have to see this movie. I do not want to tell you anything about it because of the twists in the story. Just go in and watch it and just be blown away by this movie. That's exactly what that movie is for me. And it shows up on my list coming up too. That's one I really wanted to get on my list. I just couldn't find a way to squeeze it in the, in anywhere. But it's uh, yeah. it's just below the top twenty five, yeah. and What's I think Tom- it's also because of you guys. So, oh, nice. thank yep. you. What's Tommy's number B? Tommy's number B. Next entry is the Babadook, <laughs> which is definitely an interesting horror movie. Didn't work for me, but clearly it worked for Tommy. Cool. And that puts us through 16. Steve, uh, what are we going to chat about now? Well, what I wanted to talk about is, and this comes off of uh, Miss Slo- Miss Sloan and Jessica Chastain, because I think, uh, who was it that had Zero Dark Thirty on their list? Number 25. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at stars that were sort of on the rise that hit, that, you know, came out of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but really peaked and it just went really solid this decade. You think of, you know, actresses like, you Jessica Chastain. Also, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, is an interesting one to look at in this decade because 2012, we had like the Hunger Games. I mean, this is the woman who was making ridiculous amounts of money in like she was the highest paid actress in 2015 and 2016. Where is she now? What's going on? We had what? Passengers. We had what was the uh, other spy one? Red Sparrow, right? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mother. And, and oh, Mother. In yeah. In well, let's there, not forget this delay. year's Dark Phoenix. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, you know. Uh, so but, you can call a lame duck movie right? as, as it leaves one studio and onto another. Yeah, exactly. But um, what are other, you know, looking back on your list, are there are other actors or, you know, performers that you feel like really had a, a solid decade. I'm, you know, I'm thinking of like Leonardo DiCaprio sort of has, you know, really reinvented himself. This I was decade. thinking about this last night, actually. Yeah. Uh, Very specifically because of the movie that I watched last night, which was The Report and Adam Driver. And Mm. I'm like, this is a guy. I mean, his first feature film was 2011. Oh, really? And like everybody, I mean, he had started working on other stuff in 2009. But seriously, like his 
career is this past decade. Like he really turned into something huge and just exploded. And it's just, I mean, he, I mean, 2019, he had uh, four films that he was in and uh, you know, I mean, from big ones like the rise of Skywalker to, uh, you know, Oscar bait, I guess you could say marriage story, the report, and then to kind of indie fair, like the dead don't die. So, I mean, he's all over the place with what he's doing. And I'm just endlessly impressed with the work of Adam driver. There was I, to, I, I would throw uh, yeah. Amy Adams oh, on that yeah. list. She's somebody I was thinking about a mm. lot who, um, you know, ended up doing uh, on kind of a roller coaster of small films to big films like uh, as, uh, you know, playing Lois in, in uh, Batman v Superman, so the, the DC stuff to incredible movies like Nocturnal Animals that I'm only just now regretting that I didn't end up. Uh, oh, it's, yeah. It's lower on my list than it probably should have been uh, to, frankly, you know, taking big name actors who take these performances on uh, sort of the big feature series on, uh, you know, on uh, Netflix, Hulu, whatever she did, Sharp Objects uh, adaptation, which uh, was some incredible work. So that's another one of those interesting, interesting trends. These actors who sort of blow up and take big series, Mm -hmm. Big Little Lies, for example, is another one that puts a lot of big names in uh, in a series yeah, right. for me i had a couple different ones that i thought about but the one that i think deserves the most attention from uh, that in in my mind is margot robbie um what she has done over the last decade is just truly remarkable um you know and she's going to show up a couple places on my list oh, oh no, i'm sure just just in one way but um <laughs> but uh but she not only makes movies she funds movies now she propels creative ideas through Hollywood. And there are a lot of actors that do this. I don't want to, you know, put it on her, but um, the stuff that she's making, I just have so much reverence for. And I think she is making waves in the way that uh, that I want for every creative person in Hollywood to be able to do. Um, I admire the ways that she approaches films. And I think so many of her films are really special over the last decade. So. Yeah, that, that is one. Uh, going back to the Adam Driver, this was something that sort of hit or caught attention on the internet was just the list of directors that he has worked with in this decade because he has worked with Martin Scorsese, Cohen Brothers, Noah Baumbach, Jim Jarmusch, Clint Eastwood, Spike Lee, Steven Spielberg, Steven Soderbergh, and Terry Gilliam. I mean, in, in, within wow. one decade. Yeah. This guy has, yeah, you want to look at a career, that's the guy right there who's worked with, I mean, stellar you know, directors yeah. in this decade. So yeah, there's, but you guys mentioned some, some great ones, Margot Robbie. Yeah. Uh, I think somebody I know just watched, um, what the, the time travel movie, uh, about time. Yeah. She's got a small part in that. And then yeah, to now basically like shepherding, like, a good chunk of the DC cinematic universe right. with Birds so of Prey Adam and Driver all that. Busts yeah. out and gets yeah. Disney to make yeah. the own, his own Kylo Ren movie. I'll say he's as good as Margot Robbie, but until oh, wow. that time, <laughs> Margot Robbie <laughs> yes. is for me. No, wow. I love that no. I'm Driver. I'm just yeah. trying to no. get rid of no, your no. hands <laughs> with no, Kylo no, no. here. No, no, no. Okay, I, anyway, uh, yes, no, she's, she, yes. <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. number 15, number 15 for me, uh, it's already been mentioned. It totally blew my mind. I was almost off the horse with comic book movies uh, going into this one. I didn't want to see it. We picked it for the Marvel for uh, for the film board to do a Marvel movie. I went in and it totally blew my mind. Saw it in RPX with the rumble seats, and it was a life changer for me. And that's Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Very good. Uh, I what would my top twenty five list be without a zombie film? Uh, <laughs> that is 2013's World War Z. Nice. I adored that movie. Come on. 
What's great about <laughs> that is it's a great film and it's based on a great book and they're two totally different animals. Completely. Very yeah. different animals. Yeah. That's a great point. All right. Yeah. My number 15 was a movie we talked about on the show uh, this past year in a series that uh, I think some people tired of because it was so repetitive, but I can... Uh, oh, not Robin believe and <laughs> I cannot believe how great Bradley Cooper's version of A Star Is Born oh, was. Yeah. What a film! That's my number fifteen. I want to talk about Gaps? That is a movie that's made for me, and I still yeah. haven't seen it. Oh my gosh! Oh, I yeah. desperately need to see it. Like the music is great. Like uh, uh, the, I get teared up, and I still haven't even seen the movie yet. Like I need to do it, but it's yeah. it's a gap for me. Do it. Yes, Good. I still haven't gotten around to because I because I buy my things digitally, as I always say. And uh, Apple has thrown in the encore edition there into the extras, and I have not gotten around to see that uh, the version with extra footage mm. uh, yet. So I'm I'm curious to see what you know an extra song, couple scenes or two might might do to either just make it feel longer, or if it is at, you know adding a little bit to it. But it's one that I'm looking forward to getting around to in the coming year. All right. So is it to me for number yep. 15? Okay. So I mentioned Taylor Sheridan, uh, his his film Wind River, and I said he'd be showing up on the list again. This was another one that he um, wrote. And I, I try not to overload with too much Taylor Sheridan on my list because there's so much that he did in this decade. So I'm going with one that uh, caught me off guard and just such a great story and again i think very much of the era of uh two brothers uh report resorting to a desperate scheme trying to save their ranch in 2016's hell or high water with uh chris pine ben foster jeff bridges uh just a really to me just great story and again very much i think of this uh of this decade and you know dealing with banks and uh you know mortgages and paying off and oh, being in debt and trying to get out from under that and uh you know really are these guys bad guys or are they just guys that you know this system's taken advantage of and it's just to me a really really powerful film you know me. I love some me some Ben Foster. He was I know uh, you do. number forty six on my list with Heller High Water. And Tommy for uh, spot fifteen, we have Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, oh, interesting. Didn't make my list. I like that movie a lot, yeah. but it didn't make it uh, in the big group for me. I think it's a really interesting movie too. I saw yeah, it on a yeah. flight from Sweden back here to the U.S. So. Uh, number 14 for me back to 2019. I think these are the two, this is the last 2019 movie for me, but, uh, it has to be, uh, I think talked about for how remarkable it is to bring the franchise together. Uh, Avengers end game is number 14 for me on this list. That'll certainly be popping up again. Okay. That will pop up again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, number 14 in the spirit of literally directly one-upping Andy, a star's <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. All right. My number 14, uh, this was a movie um, that I saw in theaters. I'm like, everybody needs to see this movie because uh, it's so great. And then you guys covered it on Trailer Rewind. It's just, uh, to me, just a fantastic uh, road trip movie. It is Hunt for the Wilder People. Yay. Oh, yeah. That'll be coming again later. Number right. 39 for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're getting into a, sec a segment of films where I, I started my 
my fondness for certain types of films that everybody sort of knows is in my wheelhouse. We're going to hit. And there's I had to filter because I was like, I'm overloading this on movies about teenagers. I, I got to I got to filter this. I got to I, I got to cut something out. Steve. So I, there's a couple that of oh, my my favorites that I just love. But in terms of, I think, true greatness, um, I. They're fun movies, but I had to go with ones that I think just really are going to endure and stand. And I'm going to start off uh, with the just tremendously uh, powerful mother-daughter relationship in 2017's Lady Bird, which just, huh, got, sure. again, just, I think uh, Greta Gerwig, again, you know, everybody's talking about her little women, you know, this Christmas. I think this is, I haven't seen Frances Ha uh, with her in that, but to me, Writing, directing this, and just spoke so truly to the complexities of the mother-daughter relationship, and it's one that I think is I is going to stand up to time. So, all right, uh, jumping over to JJ's list. Also, I should just read this from him. Tommy's uh, list. Oh, to Tommy's list. Sorry, I'm not willing to say yeah. these are the best movies of the decade, but these are the ones that made the biggest impact on me. Okay. Uh, so, just wanted to make sure I cleared that up. Okay. Um, his next one on his list is Birdman. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think about. that's the greatest film board fail we had. I think that was one where <laughs> oh, we, we talked about, it and it, we said, "No, it's not opening wide. Let's go with something else." And then well, it, and behold, it became, it became a big thing. Yeah, we have others. Yeah. I don't remember what we chose instead of Wonder Woman, but we. Uh, I mean, <laughs> ugh, yes, Birdman. We should have chose too. Um, not my favorite movie from that year, though, and that's always the thing that frustrated me. There, um, uh, Whiplash was definitely my favorite movie of that year, um, and I think uh, a lot of things were overshadowed that year by Birdman. So I, I am a little bit bitter about it. It didn't make my list. Um, number 13 for me has already been mentioned, but I think it's great. Uh, it's uh, Is it Matthew Schwartz, uh, the director of Kingsman? Is that right? No, Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn, excuse Vaughn. me, Matthew Vaughn. Yeah, I, I like pretty much everything he did with the X-Men franchise, and I think uh, I, I love that Kingsman is on other people's lists. That first movie was remarkable for me when I went out and saw it. Excellent. All right, Pete, 13. Um, my... My number 13 uh, is a movie that I saw with Steve and Andy in uh, Arizona, and it surprised me so, so, so much. I'm talking about 2018's Eighth Grade. Ah, what a movie. cool. Haven't been able to finish it. Uh, it's still <laughs> working. Neither has my family. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I I am I am much chagrined that my wife and daughter tried to watch it and were too broken up oh. to even get through the third act. And I don't I didn't even see the same movie that they did. I adored. I'm this your one. Sec, your other daughter, but yes, yeah, <laughs> this is a great one. It didn't make my list, but it uh, now I'm like maybe it should have. My number thirteen though is one that I think everybody talked about how it was just one that would make uh, every grown up cry because it uh, was so touching at the end. The conclusion of a trilogy that turned into a quadrilogy, uh, it is another 2010 film. It is Toy Story 3. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very I'm going to put that on my that list, one. but wow, no. yeah. I shake yeah. like a freaking leaf in that movie with yeah. tears. It oh, yeah. is super intense. They did what they, they, they knew what they were doing with that one. Yes, yes, yes yeah. they did. All right, 13 is a movie that did make this adult cry, and Pete, I am right there with you, eighth grade. That, <laughs> that is just, that Look is that. right there. That is a movie that 
devastating and powerful. Yeah. And again, talent that I'm I'm dying to see where Bo Burnham goes with this. Yep. Uh, I think Elsie Fisher, you know, see what project she chooses because she just was amazing carrying this film. And it's one Truly. that people need to make time to go see but it is it is a emotional train wreck uh, on the backside <laughs> yeah. of that it was rough but yeah. thank you it, <laughs> it was, it was yeah, on that one yes. yeah it was great the next for tommy is a black swan Another interesting Aronofsky. oh yeah. interesting. did not make my list but it's no. a very very uh, idea, remarkable but... movie too all right did not even come close to my list. 12 got it uh <laughs> noted um 12 for me uh here we can see my face again 12 for me is uh that movie that i was talking about so it's the last of the animated movies for me on my list um and you cannot find movies uh on streaming services or anywhere available right now for this company and i don't know if it's just a contract dispute or what but but it's uh, Paranorman from Leica. Um, Paranorman, I think, is a, uh, a, a exceedingly complex movie that lots of people don't see because it is animated. And I love the music. I love uh, I love pretty much everything about that movie. And it's it's zombie related. It's the kind of things that I don't really like from movies. But that is I, I love it, and I can't find it anywhere. So uh, uh, what's uh, Phil Knight's son's name? Who's the acting or former CEO Steve. of Leica? Uh, yeah, if he could just get in 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 uh, in with the streaming companies and work out a deal yeah. here, it would help me quite a bit. <laughs> Paranorman, my number twelve. Such a great movie. My number twelve is another one that surprised me. It took me years and years to see this. I only saw it last year, and or no, uh, two years ago, I think, uh, maybe a little bit longer. But it came out in two thousand eleven, and uh, it, it is. I I don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, because I'm such a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, and all of the things that Joss Whedon has done at his 2011's Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Nice. All right. My number 12, uh, this is my Star Wars entry for my list. And it's one, it's it's the one that, I, I don't know, a lot of people hate, but I just love it. It's Star Wars The Last Jedi. The Rise of Skywalker. Uh. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think that what Ryan Johnson did in the film was uh, just top notch. And uh, I'm just endlessly impressed with choices that were made. Even though I do have quibbles, but still, it's, uh, to me, it is so representative of what, uh, you know, great things you could do with that franchise. Yep. Gravity bombs in space did not make my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Jeez, are we going there? Steve, All right. No, I'm going to I'm redirecting this conversation. Right. Redirecting yeah. this conversation to uh I guess the the final in my my teen trilogy um right here in in the mid-range of this um <laughs> Back in uh, 2014, when Richard Linklater said, hey, surprise, everybody, I've been working on this movie for the past 12 years. And it was one that I it just hit at the right time. Uh, my oldest daughter, the age that she was at, um, you know, this was one that was a struggle to decide, do I let her watch this R-rated movie? And I thought, no, this was something that we sat down, we watched. She really, really, you know, connected with this one. And it's one of these unique achievements uh, from a 
from a director that uh, I don't know that anyone will attempt to repeat, but uh, staked a lot on this. And to me, it just worked out to a really powerful film that uh, I think is deserving of being remembered. And yes, it is nearly three hours, but it is three hours that goes by so quickly um, watching Mason and his relationship with his parents. And that's Boyhood, right? And the title boyhood. is Boyhood. Sorry, Boyhood. That's Boyhood. Yes. Uh, not really that we happy. didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy that's on your list too. It didn't make my list. Uh, it was uh, it was kind of a, a grueling watch for me, but I'm, I'm really happy it, it made the list for you. It, it's definitely on a lot of uh, other people's decade yeah. lists too. I've seen. Yeah. A number. It's one of those where the work itself deserves to be uh, noted. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Number twelve for Tommy is Bridesmaids. Yay. Oh, Bridesmaids was, was on my list, too. I actually own it, and that's very rare for me with a comedy. Bridesmaids was number 38 on my list. Um, next for me at number 11 is, is this the top comic book movie for me? Yeah, so this is the highest ranked comic book movie of the decade for me, which I think uh, is meaningful because I care so much about comics. But that's Deadpool. Um, uh, Deadpool was uh, it changed. It changed the game. You know, as as one would say, um, people didn't think you could do that kind of thing with a comic book movie. It reminds me of the fact that now we have video games that are uh, adult video games. Deadpool made comic book movies adult comic book movies. And I think it's uh, fantastically entertaining. And, and I think it definitely belongs uh, in a spot for the decade at 11 for me. Nice. My number 11 is, uh, I've already been on there, I think only once, and that is Steve much earlier in the show, which is Annihilation 2018. Mm -hmm. Tommy, it was on Tommy's list. Yep. Okay. It was not, yeah, oh, you're yeah. right, you're right. It was Tommy's, okay. <laughs> it was in Tommy's A's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number 11, I uh, guarantee will be on uh, one other person's list. I'll leave it uh, secret, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Are we playing uh, this game again, Andy? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this movie um, really affected me. Um, it, it's just, it's such a moving film and such a beautiful story. It is, uh, and it wasn't at all what I was expecting when I walked into The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, oh. What a movie that is. I just love it endlessly. So that is number 11 on my list. It didn't make mine, but I, I love it too. <laughs> I hear the sigh. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Steve. Um, I, you know, JJ, we had a really good, we got lucky with a lot of our trailer rewind picks. And I know this is probably. It's a good show. I, I think this one's, <laughs> I'm hoping this one's a little bit higher on your list because I, I think it is, but it's one that I'd seen and then I said, we need to do this on the trailer rewind. And you said yes. And every time I watch it, I am just totally impressed with this movie. And it's never what you expect. And again, you mentioned Margot Robbie, but I, Tanya, to me, it did something really interesting with we're going to tackle telling someone's story. We're going to do it in a unique way. It's a crazy story to tell. And I think the only casualty from this movie that I'm experiencing right now is I'm, I'm seeing the trailers for Clint Eastwood's newest film. Oh, um, sure. And Richard I'm like, Jewell. yes, Richard Jewell. I'm like, this poor guy, he did such a great job of playing just the ridiculous goofy you know bodyguard who has no oh. clue and i i can't help but see i'm like no I'm like he's not a security guard at the, at the olympics he can't be and it's just uh he he nailed it so well. i mean there's so sebastian stan allison Jan, i mean this cast is amazing and it's one that 
it was not what I expected. And I think that's why it's so high on my list because it just blew my expectations away. And it continues to be such a great film every single time I see it. It'll be on mine too. Yeah. All right. Number 11 on Tommy's uh, is, uh, Pete already brought it up, Cabin in the Woods. All right. Very good. Oh, look at that. All right. We are uh, done with our uh, 11 through 25. So, uh, Steve, take it away. (sighs) This this was a tough topic for me to, it it pains my heart um, with this filmmaker who is so much a part of our childhood. And I'm looking at this past decade and... Started it off with The Adventures of Tintin, but if you look at what Spielberg did this decade, he is, to me, in my opinion, he has moved on and is not making the movies for kids anymore. Uh, I I really enjoyed Adventures of Tintin, but if you look at everything he else everything else he did this decade, I think he's he's made a solid pivot to really telling really solid historical movies. But I, I feel like this is the decade where Spielberg grew up and, and wanted to tell different stories. Because if you look at where he went, it was Adventures of Tintin, which I, I had a great time with. War Horse, didn't see at all. Uh, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies. Then we get the BFG, which I think underperformed, underwhelmed. I didn't even bother, haven't even bothered seeing it yet. Then we got the post, Ready Player One, which was fun, but a little bit disappointing. Um, and then, you know, next, we know his next one. I know Andy's so looking forward to West Side Story. <laughs> but if you look, I mean, really, there's there's two movies that I think are for you know, Adventures of Tintin and, and BFG. And that's it within a decade from Spielberg. I'd say Ready Player with, One. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, Ready Player One. So it's three. But to me, I think his more solid films are the historical dramas or, or political dramas. Even though you haven't seen one of them. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, okay. How is the BFG, Andy? How no, the War Horse. I'm saying oh, the, the adult ones. Oh, oh the yeah. adult ones, yes. Um, but and War yeah, Horse what is, was a really interesting movie. I mean, it definitely, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. but. I mean, what what? How do you guys feel about sort of this pivot that Spielberg has has taken? Well, I feel like he's been doing the pivot for several yeah. decades now. Um, but I think you're right. This is the decade where I think it's it's more of more of that, you know? Because I I mean, last in the in the aughts, he had uh, it may have only been Munich. As I kind of look at his list, that was the only one that really stands out as kind of the more adult fare. And in the 90s, like Amistad, Schindler's List. Um, but uh, yeah, he definitely seems to be making that pivot right now. And so I'm curious what the 2020s will bring uh, because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's an interesting director and um, he certainly has been one who's made a lot of stuff that just uh, people remember. But uh, And it's it's tricky because you don't end up remembering Spielberg because of his more adult fare. You know, it's it's all of the kind of the the blockbuster stuff. So, well, he, he launched the blockbuster with jaws and it's, it's not, he, he doesn't do that. I mean, ready player one, I think was trying to be that, but it it was a bit of a stumble. I I enjoyed it, but it, it wasn't the Spielberg that I I wanted. And it seems like now we've got, you know, Disney has sort of taken that over. Cause I think, what is it like 80% of the box office is like Disney or something ridiculous like that between all of their properties. They, they, Disney owns the blockbuster now between star Wars and Marvel and Pixar and, and all of that. And it's, it's left Spielberg, you know, and I, I, don't know that he he cares i don't know but it seems like his heart is more with the historical dramas yeah and i mean he at least has one that's announced right now which is the kidnapping of edgardo mortara uh for uh sometime soon which is based on tony 
uh, or no, the book by David Kurtzer. I haven't read it, but uh, I know that's uh, he'll he'll be continuing that into the twenty twenty. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. Yes, yeah. So it's it's hard for me. You know, it's like who who is the Spielberg then for our kids? You know, who, or, or the, you know, like JJ, who's the Spielberg for your kids? If you think about the movie, I mean, you had, we had like, you know, E.T. and you had, you know, the, those yeah, fun I don't think, so the, What yeah. I'll say about it is I think that the, the you know, it's interesting that you bring up that, Mar- that Disney owns the the blockbuster now. I think the, the paradigm has shifted where a director doesn't do it. I mean, you, it, we've yeah? talked so okay. much about how these, um, like Marvel is, is changing the game on directors where they're bringing in these young directors to bring over new franchises where the director doesn't have as much power as the studio does i think you think about animated movies were when we were growing up and how disney controlled that now animated movies are have a life of their own i mean they 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 when a family movie comes out on a weekend it's it's always in the top five right i mean yeah because we need programming for families so i think um yeah, I think I think I would bring up studios. Maybe Pixar is the Spielberg for my kids. I don't know if that's the answer, but that's my okay. first no, inclination. I, interesting. You know, it's it's so interesting about that. Like, I'm just thinking about movies that are are big that we don't talk about the directors of necessarily. Um, you know, Jake Kasdan uh, did the Jumanji movies, right. yeah. and they're, so they're terrific so and good. fun, and yeah. the family adores them. And those are like those great comedy adventure movies of you know their kind of recent memory. Um, and I'm I'm curious to see what happens with guys like Jake, uh, because he's got a lot of career left in him. He's already got, uh, you know, properties with a ton of heart uh, under his belt. Um, he also has, you know, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox <laughs> story. Uh, but that was not in this last decade, so we'll let that Good. go. Uh, so. uh, moving on, we ready? Yeah, yeah. so we're yeah. jumping into the top ten, Top right? ten. ten! Here we go. For me, my top ten. This movie uh, knocked my socks off, too, and I am a big sucker for music cues. We talked about them earlier in, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. This is probably... Oh, it's it's close to, but maybe not the best soundtrack for me on the system. I have it on vinyl, four sides of eclectic and wonderful music, and then integrated perfectly into the movie. This is Baby Driver for me at mm. number 10, uh, best movie of the decade for me. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That is that an interesting one to go big with. Big disappointment for me. <laughs> Oh, oh not oh. Andy. You think that's a disappointment? Wait till we get to my number one for you. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I I'm gonna use my number ten as the first of what I'll call the uh, great top twenty five list corrective measures for both JJ and Andy, and that is Logan ah. should be much higher. Right. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Pete. That's yeah. so great. Uh, my number 10 really surprised me from this director, uh, although it shouldn't have because he's a great director. All I can say at this point is I am really looking forward to talking about this in our series later uh, in 2020 um, because I think it is Spike Lee's best film. It is Black Klansman. Oh, cool. That's a I correction I probably should make somewhere. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah. Good, good, good. Glad it's there, Andy, because I did not go there. I went with, uh, and I. And this is probably because of my cinematic experience seeing this film. Because it's there, there. Are, I think we had several films that you know 
we've talked about the difference between seeing it in the theater and that experience and then seeing it and whether it translates to to home viewing. And for me, uh, I have to thank Andy Nelson for getting me D-Box tickets to Mad Max Fury Road because <laughs> that movie was already bonkers, but it just made that thing <laughs> crazy fun. And I think it's it's a movie that does so many things well and it's such a surprise but there's it's not just a mad max movie i mean there's so many things going on with furiosa and just there there's layers to this thing and then to release it in the black and chrome edition uh you know we talked about logan noir but the, the, these are the two films that just said we're we're going to show you what you know what you can really do with with black and white and how that can be done to quality and so for me i'm starting my top 10 with something that i didn't expect to be this high but it just so, such a great film. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, and for Tommy, it is eighth grade. Another one that's been brought oh, up. Oh, so yes. look at that. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Showed up for All a lot right. of people. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. For some reason, my mic is turning funny. My number nine. I'm surprised no one's mentioned this movie yet. I can't imagine that it's in all of your top tens. Maybe it is. Maybe it's this good. I'm I'm very surprised that I'm the first one to bring this movie up. Um, but uh, I saw it in L.A. with Tommy and friend of the show, Darnell Smith, um, and didn't think it was going to be a big movie. But it totally rocked my world, and I think it's totally special. It's another Amy Adams, right? Arrival? That'll be on here. That's okay. it's coming up. It's coming yeah. up. Wow, okay, great. Oh, yeah. No, that's amazing. I, I, yes. I, I, I don't think we've talked about that yet. That's Then maybe that's a movie we missed. If it's going to be on everybody's list, that's pretty cool. It's number nine yeah. for me. Awesome. I, I know they're they're gonna. This is where some of the big franchises hit, and and, and um, uh, it's what are you gonna do? Um, again, corrective measure for Andy. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Wow, cool. <laughs> I, you know, I like that movie so much more uh, now that the Skywalker saga is done, and uh, I'm yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of what Johnson did in this movie. Yeah. So. So good. Um, this is a movie for my number nine that you guys. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not surprised it didn't end up on anyone else's list, or at least I, I'm not expecting it to. But it is a film that um, that I think more people need to check out. It is a film that really struck me sideways because on the surface it seems like just a a survival movie uh, from a plane crash and battling wolves, but it ends up being so much more when you look at uh, what Liam Neeson's doing in Joe Carnahan. 2011 film The Gray, which oh, I think is one of wow. the great films of the decade. Just uh, it hits me really powerfully every time I see it. I haven't seen it, I and I didn't notice surprised. it on any of the top lists that I saw. So that's I, really I, great that it's yeah. that big for you. I doubt yeah. it will be, but it just there's a lot going on in there. I I love cool. it. Um, yeah, it's uh, I it might be a tough one for you, JJ, because uh, it's not straight up horror. It's definitely kind of just survival thriller. But I mean, there's some intense there's it's some yeah. intense moments. Unsettling. If you're yeah. if you don't like people being attacked by wolves, it's definitely <laughs> a little wild that. But who does? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, number nine. Uh, another trailer rewind. And I think uh, Andy was, I think this one was already on your list, List, but come on. When Ricky Baker says, I didn't choose the Skuck's life, the Skuck's life chose me. <laughs> he won my heart just as much as <laughs> describing Sam Neill as cock Asian. Well, they got that wrong because you're obviously white. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, this so movie, good. It, this movie, I, I t- this is another one where I tell people you, this is the perfect family movie, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "No, just your family needs to sit down and watch this." And this is, oh my gosh, it's got to be in top lists everywhere because this it, it hits. It's the like four quadrant film, and to me, it's I'm thankful for this film, and I thank Taika Waititi for for just telling such a great story uh, and doing it so well with such a great cast. Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, JJ. <laughs> yes. I was like, who's going to be first to say it? <laughs> I just talk about things. <laughs> so good. Welcome to Steve, yeah. our stream of consciousness participant right. today. Right. <laughs> All right. And this, uh, for for uh, for Tommy, uh, he throws Inception as the next one on his oh, list of alphabeticals. Um, and okay. he's, the, he's the next one to bring it up, or the first one to bring it up. I think this is the first time for Tom, other than Babadook. I think that was the other one where he ended up being the first one to bring it up. But it shows up on my list later on, too. All right. Uh, the next one for me, number eight, has been mentioned before, but not on anyone's list. It, it, I don't know when was the first time I saw this movie. But again, you're going to see that or maybe you have seen that music is such a major thing to me when I see movies and, and it, when it connects, it connects great. If people haven't seen this movie, everyone should. Uh, I actually Tommy hadn't seen it, which is interesting. And I'm still trying to get him uh, now telling him that it's number eight of the decade for me might swing him around. But everybody should see Sing Street. It is is just yes. a yes. legendary movie. Um, and uh, I think it can connect with everyone, even though it's set in the UK and it's, and it's a, it's an interesting, it's, a, it feels like a separate experience, but everybody lived through the kind of coming of age that comes in this movie. And then everybody lived, uh, everyone that's our age lived through the eighties. <laughs> so, uh, 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 the music of the eighties is rampant in this, in this movie and it's just done so well. So sing street number eight for me. Nice. Yeah, I'm glad that yes. made it on your list. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm another big of the big, and I, this one, I, I I feel like this one is representative of uh, everything that all of these movies did for me. Um, I'm I'm we've we've talked about so many of these movies on the show, uh, but for me, I, I've got to include in the top ten the snap Avengers Endgame. Uh, it was an, an incredibly wonderful and emotional and empowering experience, regardless of how much money it made. <laughs> It'll pop up again. Uh, I'm sure. Um, my number eight. This is a film that for a lot of people, once they watched it at home, it dropped in their estimation. But not for me. It's a film that I find just as affecting at home as I did in the theater, which definitely was the bigger experience. But it still is a fantastic film. It is Alfonso Cuarón's Gravity. That was funny. I actually I typed out the title before you even said the word. <laughs> yeah, you, you yes. do. I, I love yeah. that one pretty well. Didn't I? <laughs> Gravity is number 36 on my list. Oh, all right. Okay. There you go. All right. We're getting into see, see, we're we're now at the point where I'm I'm gonna probably diverge off in a direction except for a couple of things because to me this is where the art artfulness of film comes in and I'm looking for th- I'm looking at things that are not just emotionally resonant but have ideas that they're communicating and sometimes that's not the most enjoyable experience but for me it's an intellectually rewarding experience and those are the films that are going to sort of permeate my my top list here so this is this is one that I don't think anybody's going to have in, in their list but it's one that I think needs to be recognized from one of I think 
a, a filmmaker that does not make enough movies, but when he does make them, they just, I, I love them dearly. And he's only got two of them. And that is Shane Carruth's 2013 Upstream Color, which is a mind bender, crazy film with some interesting ideas. And I couldn't summarize this movie to you if I wanted, but I just love experiencing the, this film and the story that he takes me through. Would I like it? I don't know. Well, you said a mind bender, so that's, yeah, that's well. It's, it's not. It's not a conventional mind bender. It's. It's. I guess. Did you? Do you even hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? It's not a conventional mind bender. It's. It's, it's more of a pretzely type of thing. I don't know. It's yeah. That's, that's one that you got me to watch, and I'm really yeah. glad I did because I okay. loved it. Great. Oh, extreme good. color. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And let's see. Next for Tommy, we have Inside Out. Yay. Oh, yeah. All right. Number seven on my list is uh, Steve already brought it up, Miss Sloan. I'm glad you told the story about that's what you asked for. when Because when I tell people about Trailer Rewind, what Trailer Rewind is about, uh, a lot of people will ask, what's the movie that, you know, that I missed that I should see? That movie, I, I can't understand why people, why it didn't get a bigger yeah. notice. It is yeah, such right. a special movie uh, it, 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 for all the ways, not just for being a movie, but for the political statement it makes for everything. It, ten, it, it is, it, it, the story works on so many different levels. And uh, Jessica Chastain is, she's a national treasure. Uh, everybody should see Miss Sloan. It's my number seven of the decade. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad to see that out there. It didn't make my list, but I'm, I'm really glad to see it climbing on yours. Uh, mine is another one that I'm going to call representative of the director's work because he's done a lot of things uh, in this decade that are uh, incredible. But I've got to start with the first one in 2010 that is inception christopher Yay. nolan uh talk about a movie that just i mean uh, it is a beautiful mind bender for a guy like me uh, I, and I, I just think i the the work is great of for everyone in there yes we can sit around and poke holes in it but um uh, my goodness it's uh, a perfect blend of action and mind bend and it's great. Quit your whole poking. It's going to be on my list too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number seven is uh, is my David Fincher entry for the decade. Um, before he decided to kind of slow down and move over to TV, um, this film, which was a 2010 film, uh, just absolutely was mm -hmm. just a, a just a peak Fincher for me. It is The Social Network. Ah, cool. Not on my list, but great movie. All right, Steve. All right. Uh, yeah. The, uh... I think this is so high on the list just for personal reasons because there's just something about this story um, that I I connected with. Well, I don't I don't want to say I connected with. Uh, it's I don't want to say I have any connection to this movie because it's such a it's a bleak story and I but it's got a, an amazing performance. But it's about struggles with faith, which is something that is the, any type of story like that when done well I, is going to end up high on my list because it's just something that uh, I think is just the way I, I don't know if it's the way I was raised and when you've got Ethan Hawke and Paul Schrader's First Reformed it is not a movie that's a pleasure to sit through it to me it's a rewarding journey that we we take but it's hard to say that this is entertainment um but to me it's just done so well and i think uh schrader said it best when he said this wasn't going to be like anything else he did it was going to be more in the vein of like ingmar bergman and i'm not a i haven't 
trod into Bergman territory, but if this is the type of thing that I can expect, I guess that's I'm going to end up becoming a Bergman fan sometime down the road. I don't know. But this one just really, I watched it because I was trying to make sure I saw like the best actor performances and I yeah, this one wasn't really that much on my radar, uh, but it re- was a really rewarding experience for me. What's it called again? First Reformed. First that's Reformed. A, that's a tough watch, but it is yeah. a powerful film. I have Definitely. not seen that either. Yeah. Uh, Tommy's... Tommy Tommy has a Mother, Aronofsky's film. Yay. Oh, yeah. I'm not the only one. Uh, number six for me, again, I, as I'm getting to these movies, I, I'm still surprised that I'm the first ones to mention them. If I wasn't on this film board show, and I know you guys loved it, so maybe it'll show up on yours. For me, this movie, when I watched it, I, I felt like it was perfect. Oh, uh, the Monuments uh, Men. Thank you, JJ. Thank absolutely you. <laughs> not. Take your Monuments Men and you go right back to where you came from. Uh, no, uh, that's, <laughs> but, uh, for me, it was uh, Blade Runner 2049. And for uh, the thing yeah. about Blade Runner 2049, for me, I didn't like the first one. I know it's blasphemy. I saw it really late. So uh, movies like that, I have, a, I have a bunch of those that are kind of gaps for me that I saw them late. So I didn't understand their cultural resonance. I didn't understand that kind of thing. When I saw 2049, it was a perfect movie for me there were there were no flaws it and i and i didn't even have the connection to the first one it's just yeah. such a special movie um that it uh transcended that stuff for me so it's number six of the decade uh, blade running runner 2049 yeah it hasn't shown up uh because it's higher on lists That's what I, uh, <laughs> for uh, me yeah. yes yes yeah uh my number six is a movie that i am I'm going to go ahead and say it's not going to end up on anybody's list higher than mine. Uh, it is. It's, it's, it, you, know, you remember when you saw Foxcatcher and you walked out saying, God, remember the last movie that Bennett Miller did? Uh, it is 2011's Moneyball. <laughs> okay. I yes. adore this yes. movie almost okay. irrationally. So I have such a great time with this movie every time I see it. And the script is fantastic. The concept is amazing. It's pretty much the only sports movie that I can watch again and again and again and again and again and again and get something new out of I apart from just you know tearing up at the end of Rudy whatever <laughs> <laughs> didn't make no, that, my list but it is a great the, movie no that, thank you for yeah. putting that on there that's yes. that well deserved yes great one um, my number six is uh, an entry in this franchise which I uh, think was just the peak of awesomeness for it in, in a fan franchise that's only gotten better and better uh, it's such a fun movie to watch, and it's a great turn for an animation director to make a great uh, live-action film, Brad Bird's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Top 10 I, on the I MI. Know. I, know. I think the wow. last Mission Impossible movie I saw was two or three. Well, that's... Yeah, you know. need to continue that, because oh, it's, it's yeah, seriously just as... They get better. They're not, they're not for me. I, I have bias against them. Oh, I come okay. to it with with oh. bad expectations. You know, it's it's not its fault. It's my fault. It's not you. It's me, Tom <laughs> Cruise. <laughs> All right, Steve. Okay, number six. Uh, num- number six. Um, I, I guess we're we're going to see. We got. Uh, sci-fi is going to start showing up a lot here because it's a, a genre I really connect with, and I think it's the uh, gives the storytellers the great opportunity to tell really um, powerful stories. And I know I've done a good job as a parent when I can take my kids to a movie. I asked them how the, how they enjoyed it, and one of them will tell me that they cried during the movie. And I thought, okay, this. this 
and it's not, it's a sci-fi movie. Why is it going to make you cry? And she said that moment when he came back out of the black hole and his daughter was talking to him and she just, she lost it. She broke down in 2014's Interstellar, which, you know, I know a lot of people say Christopher Nolan is like a cold filmmaker, but this story of family and people have quibbles and issues. But for me, it is just one that I love experiencing. I think he did a, a great job with this one and a, an amazing cast as well. Yeah, another Jessica Chastain turn. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Tommy? Uh, Tommy's six. number six was uh, the Parasite. Oh, cool. Ah, yeah, there you go. Yep, Shows yep. up again. Love it. Yep. All right, Steve. Big break. Our last little break. Our last little break. Okay, so we're talking about movies, but I think one of the big trends is, you know, and I think, Andy, you you take a, a strong side in one of this, is the, the challenge of films versus all the great content coming out. Because I think one of the things of this decade that's going to be well-remembered is the is Game of Thrones, which started back in 2011 and to me became just a cultural phenomenon. But we have, you know, you have franchises that used to do that, but now TV is starting to take ownership of that. Plus, we also have now blurring of the lines between cinematic universes. Uh, Marvel did this with um, the whole, like, uh, what was the show? The Avengers TV show thing that Pete was a big fan of. Yeah. What is that thing? Um, Agents, Agents of, of, Shield. of Shield. So that we have, you know, Age of, Shield. Age of Shield. We have that whole blurring of the, the lines of, like, well, not only do you have to see the movies, but there's stuff in the TV shows. And, and now it's continuing as we now have sort of the spinoff stuff launching on Disney Plus of it's not just about movies and TV. It's just the full on media experience. So I was, you know, want to take time. We've talked about all these great movies, but are there, you know, quality TV shows of this decade that you think are, you know, going to be longstanding as well or that have ties you know, have sort of blurred the lines or crossed over to be part of that, you know, cinematic world. Go Chernobyl. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Hands down. Yeah. Absolutely Chernobyl. It far exceeds everything else on the list for me. It was an incredible addition to this decade by some incredibly talented filmmakers. What is it on? Uh, and that's HBO. Oh, it was it was uh, HBO, HBO oh, but now? you can buy it on iTunes. I need to watch you can it. get it. I mean, yeah. it is exceptional viewing uh, and deeply emotionally uh, engaging work. I it's the very it would be certainly in my top 10 I'd, if we included this kind of I stuff. I think there's a lot that goes in here. I think we're in the golden age of TV, a new golden age of TV. Um I think for me it's Black Mirror. Um Black Mirror is just so mm. special and such a great place to experiment with what you can do uh and I don't mean this in a pun sort of way. I mean this in terms of film and TV technology and then of course it becomes a pun because that's literally the course of what this show is about. Um but like Bandersnatch I mean, a black yeah. museum oh. in terms of the anthology aspect of it. It's it's it is what you're talking about, Steve. It pulls itself together upon itself. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I've just seen so much there that blows my mind and makes me uh, inspired and uncomfortable at the same time. I think it's legendary TV. Well, it is. And I think, Pete, with Chernobyl, we get the example of don't cram this story into two hours or as, as yeah. we're starting to see movies can start to get close to that three hour mark and audiences will still show up, but still sometimes that's not even enough time to tell the whole story and do it well. And, and sort of to do the limited series of we're going to tell one story over five or six, six parts and things that I think of yeah. are in a, they have, 
I think one of my most disappointing moments was hearing that um, Netflix announced there was going to be season two of the OA because I thought that story just did what it needed to do so well and over sort of a limited series. And then when they said season two, I thought, oh, please, no, don't do this. Don't start, you know, trying to push another story on us. But then they did it. And then they said, no, there's no season three. And I thought, no, you set this up. You have a larger story to tell. Why are you taking this away from me? Uh, But that, for me, that was what I think... The, uh, that year was the OA, and I think Westworld was the other one. Though I, I made that transition to this is cinematic storytelling on you know other media, uh, you know HBO and Netflix capturing that and being able to tell stories. Well, I realized that you know we're we're in this interesting transition point of what quality storytelling looks like, moving away from sort of the. I guess, for lack of a better term, sort of your soap, you know, nighttime soap operas like ER. Yeah, which... like Thornbirds <laughs> and uh, Shogun. Shogun is just like your special, special miniseries. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Yes. Or even tying it to Chernobyl the day after, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ex- exactly. So we've, yep. we've moved beyond that into really the, the, the budgets are there to tell, you know, big stories and doing it well. Andy, yeah. you have any? Because uh, I know I don't watch enough a... TV. Um, yeah, you know that's. Uh, it's just there's the content. There's just so much content, and yeah, uh, it's it's hard for me to kind of pick up on something that's going to last for so long. So I, I mean, I guess I would just have to say Black Mirror because, yeah. uh, like JJ said, I mean, uh, he already said everything that you need to say. It's just, but yeah. and it's perfect little you know bite sized episodes. Yeah. So it's it, that one for me is is great. But I know Chernobyl is one that I definitely do want to check out at yeah. some point. There's a song by Arcade Fire on their most recent album uh, called Infinite Content. And they say, infinite content, infinite content. We're infinitely content, which I think is wonderful. Um, okay, hmm. moving into the top five. Yeah. Are you top ready to five. go there? Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, yes. so my top five, uh, Steve, you already brought it up. It was uh, a, a movie that is uh, it is a Trailer Rewind movie. It was a landmark for me. Uh, you know, we've talked about from time to time on the show that I am now divorced. It was the last movie that I watched in the theater with my wife. Uh, it is the lobster, and I only bring that up because, really, that's the yeah. last movie that you guys wow. watched. You know, already separated and now going for divorce. Yeah, I think that movie yeah. can do that. It is hilarious, Steve. You're right, and it's so emotional, and it's so. I mean, they play it deadpan because there's so much going on. You have to watch it deadpan. And Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, you know, with the favorite favorite didn't show up on my list. Um, I think it tried to sneak in and I pulled it off, but what Yorgos Lanthimos does is really special. And the lobster blew my mind at a super emotional time in my life. So it's number five on my list. Okay. That's, that is exceptional uh, (laughs) picking for that to end up at number five. I mean, that is peak. (laughs) We've reached peak JJ is I think what's happened. Uh, I, mine is, I think all of my top five have already been picked. And so the Pete's top five is corrective uh, again. Um, <laughs> this this movie is one that uh, it is, again, representative of the filmmaker for sure, starting with the first one of the decade. Uh, it is also one of those movies that I regret recommending to people if I'm not available to watch it with them just because I get now so much joy watching other people get so much joy out of this film that is Scott Pilgrim versus Nice. Nice. Excellent. Okay. Just like you, Pete, uh, my top five have all been named before, so uh, corrective. But uh, and and a number of them are ones that, as I said, you know, I was only allowing 
each director to have one film in my top 25, if for no other reason than to help me thin it out. Uh, this is yeah. one of them. It is uh, Christopher Nolan's Inception. Nice. I could easily have okay, put uh, Dunkirk or Interstellar yep. on my top 25, yeah. but Inception is the one that I went with. And uh, my number five uh, has already been mentioned by Andy, and I, you know, it's it's tough. David Fincher is such a great filmmaker, but I think if I'm going to say what captures the decade well, I think The Social Network is the film that really captures, you know, this decade uh, very well. Can I can I just say, yeah. and I'm just going to say this out loud because it is Pete's great regret of this entire episode. I don't have any David Fincher movies on wow. my list, and all of them are on my source list. But in all of the shuffling, yeah. I forgot Fincher. So you what shuffled would be, off. So, so if you isolate them, can you figure out what would be your top of those? Well, yeah, I mean, well, it, I mean it would be. Fincher, it, it would absolutely be the Social yeah. Network. Yeah. So I don't three feel movies that bad. In, in yeah. The, the, yeah. The right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I and I think we all uh, respect yeah. and love Fincher for yeah. one yes. reason or another. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I understand that. I don't think he's on my list either. So I, I, I see that's interesting as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, th I thank goodness in the top one hundred and seventeen of the next <laughs> reel as uh, he's on there a couple of times. Okay. I feel like. Very good. Uh, Tommy's is Scott Never Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, synchronous. Wait, yeah, awesome. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's the first and only, or well, I don't know about only, but the first pairing we've had of two people, same ranking, right? Nope. Yeah. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Oh, that's right. Number 13. Right. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, number four for me is, uh, we've already brought it up. I don't need to sp speak too much about it, but it's. It, I, I still feel like it got robbed. It's here at the Oscars, and that's Whiplash. Uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, it just it blew my mind with that movie. I was deeply affected by that movie and not because I have a personal reason to be necessarily. It was so well made and just uh, a, a, a crazy, uh, and I mean crazy in a, in the word of like amazing. It's something that I didn't expect. Um, and it, uh, it, it changed everything for me that year. And that's Whiplash. All right. I want to pile on Whiplash yeah. is nine, my number four too. Oh, nice. And I just right. want to add, it is a... Uh, it, it's one of those movies that it, that so deeply explores the the pains and perils of of what it means to be a teacher uh, that um, I, I found myself very uh, impacted by this. And movie what a different perspective, a bit, you know, yeah. for you to say that it explores the teacher because I, of course, didn't yeah. see that at all. It also yeah. explores what it's to be a parent, what it is to yeah. be a, a prodigy, what it is to be. I mean, all the roles are deeply yeah. affecting in that movie. It challenges so many of those archetypes. Yeah. Uh, my number four has already been mentioned, but uh, what a film George Miller made in Mad Max Fury Road. And it's not even really a film about Max. It's about uh, Furiosa <laughs> and the amazing work that George Miller did with with telling a story about uh, about these women and, and the, the power that they have. It was a great film, Mad Max Fury Road. All right, my number four. I, I think I did some over <clears throat> overcorrecting and in, in trying to prevent bias from recency. So uh, this is you know a, a very recent one, and but I debated whether it should be this high. But I it was such a moving experience, and I think it is probably a a a perfect film, and that is 2019's Parasite. Cool, nice. <laughs> That's high. That's great for the decade. Yeah. That's wonderful. 
And then Tommy. over on Tommy's list, he has the social network. Oh, cool. Oh, there, there we, we go. go. All right. right. Yeah. Welcome back, nice. Fincher. Yes, um, number three for me, Steve already brought it up uh, from Trailer Rewind uh, with is, is I, Tanya. And the thing that I like to tell in the story about I, Tanya is that uh, me coming from the world of journalism, um, we have, we're in such a world right now where the truth is being assaulted. And the way this movie was made, uh, it, it accounts for different truths in a way that I've never seen in a movie. It presents the stories of each individual from what, uh, from their own words, or at least attempts to do it from their own words, and then makes it dramatically spun. Um, it's beautiful, it's remarkable, and it's, uh, it's subversive. It, it, it changes everyone's perspective on something that everybody knew or that everybody paid attention to at one point. I, I love Itania and it's my number three of the decade. Nice. Reminds me of that great film, The Last Jedi, when they did that too. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, my number three is... My number three is also one that has uh, already been mentioned, but again, I'll echo Steve. It is one of those sweet, perfect movies in a really not sweet, unsettling, I can't stop moving in my chair way, uh, Parasite. Nice. Great movie. That's, I my number see it. Wow. My number three is uh. from, you know, we talked about actors who had a decade that really kind of was defining for them. I would say that this director's uh, 2010s uh, was Top notch. Uh, there's only one film of his that uh, wasn't, uh, you know, an instant like classic for me. Um, it's Denis Villeneuve, who's, uh, I mean, really, it, it's such an incredible decade of films. And it was so hard for me to thin this out to the one film that I was going to put on my list. Uh, and as much as it pains me to not have Blade Runner 2049 on my list, I did have to go with Arrival because that is the film that hit me sideways. It it just changed for me over the course of it over and over again. And by the time I hit the ending and realized what was going on, I just I was like that is just a perfect film. I mean, really just classy classic sci-fi film right there. So Some Arrival number 3. Okay. Well, it's okay because I have Blade Runner 2049 as number <laughs> number 3, but <laughs> Andy Andy, you're, you're right, because I, I struggled because I I should have prisoners on here. I should have Sicario on here, but I, yeah, he Sandy, has had... Yeah, that's the yeah. one I have not seen. That's the one that I need to see. Which one? And, and track down. Incendi. Yeah, from 2010. Oh, yeah. Uh, but again, as I said, I'm heavily on the sci-fi and as a as a fan of the, you know, of Ridley Scott's, you know, Blade Runner from the 80s, I, I was concerned about, you know, what was going to happen with this one, but it's... Yeah, a perfect film. So, Prisoners yeah. didn't make my list. It's a great movie. It didn't make my list. Tommy and I watched it in our big Memorial Day uh, marathon before we did the re-ranking this year. Sicario on my list was number 47 out of 52. Uh, great, great movies. What, what did Tommy have? Tommy's number, number three, three was Whiplash. Whiplash. Oh, oh see, okay. it's okay. good. Okay. I like yeah. that synchronicity. My uh, number two, uh, we've already talked about Inception. I just want to tell my story with Inception. We this Inception came out, it's 2010. So this is why it was really key to me that we did 2010 to 2019 here. Uh, saw it with a group of about 20 people. It's a big group. Let's just say it's a big number of people in Los Angeles when I was still living there. After we were all on an email chain together and we all started talking about um, the spinning 
talisman at the end of the movie, the marker. And everybody saw the little flinch of the marker and everybody had to have their comment about what did that mean? And was it really going to fall? And was it reality? And was it not? You know, we, Tommy and I did that little short a while back, the mind bender. This is the kind of movie that I love the most. And because it, within that string, I mentioned we saw it with about 20 people at some point, someone on an email string, and I know Pete, you hate email said, can you please take me off this list? (laughs) (laughs) We were talking so much. It was so moving that everybody needed to get out their feelings about it. And, and I was personally offended that someone asked to be off to take, taken off the list because this is what I see movies for is to talk about it afterwards. This is like, it predates my next reel uh, membership, but this is exactly why I see movies so that we can talk about it like this. And that's why inception is number two on my list. Excellent. The top two uh, are insufferably difficult for me. I could switch them back and forth uh, over and over and over again. And as I say these words, it actually hurts my own feelings for this movie because I feel like it should be number one. But it's not number one. It is a movie that deeply impacted me and made me start my little online research notebook of uh, travel plans to Iceland. It is The Mm. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Uh, This is just an exceptionally good film for a guy like me. Uh, And, um, you know, it's uh, one of Sean Penn's best films. <laughs> and I mean that like with all heart. I I I adore this movie. Uh not not the you know not to disregard Ben Stiller who is also one of his very very I think it's his very best film. Um this is it is just a truly um soul searching film for me. Yeah. I hear you. Right there with you, man. Uh my number 2 um I I'm definitely going kind of more the uh less the intellectual uh, movies that make me think about a lot of things and more just uh you know things that I emotionally connected with a lot of uh fun and uh just you know fantastic and you know I don't have a problem with having having this uh these films up here for me. Uh number 2 uh such a great uh, uh Spider-Man film. It's the best Spider-Man film and it is definitely uh one of the best uh, comic book movies made. It is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's so great, yeah. Andy. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Love so it. Good. Love it. I think it belongs up there with this stuff. That's great. My number 2 uh 2 and 3 are interchangeable. I mean, I, this I couldn't I couldn't decide and number for me number 2 is Arrival and I think what puts it ahead is 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 the family dynamic of that um I mean again, I this is an amazing film and it just blew my mind and it's uh a masterpiece yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And it just, and in, even though it's one of these films with like a twist to it, it's one that I find still rewarding when you, when you know what that twist is, it's not one that like, Oh, well, okay. It's all, all the surprise is what is the strength film because all the front work, it just, everything works so well on this. And if it's, if you don't like science fiction films, you have to go see this because it's, it's, so much more than just about the science and the the arrival of aliens. It's really about family. And to me, that's what makes it my number two. All right. Tommy's is the animated short World of Tomorrow by Don Hertzfeld. One of oh. his films that I haven't seen, so I'll have to check that one out. Does anybody know about it? Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Oh, yeah. Don Hertzfeld's oh, stuff is just fantastic. Definitely oh, it, check yes, it's animation it, out. I, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, it, I mean, his animation style is sort of like stick figurey stuff, yeah. but it, this is a, 
it's it's a short. I think you can um, watch it on YouTube. I, yeah, I, I think mean, it's, it's, on, yeah, it's on YouTube. It, it should, it's on, it and it's on Don Hertzfeld's Vimeo channel. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's it's out it's there. It's seventeen the world minutes of tomorrow. Correct. Yeah, and it's about uh, well, IMDb says a little girl is taken on a mind bending tour of her distant future, and I think there's his stuff is I don't want to say I guess it's. I want to say sarcasm, but he's got a pessimistic outlook on things, and so there. It, it, there's Me too. Com- comedy and tragedy, <laughs> and but it is one that is definitely if yeah for for a short film, definitely check it out. Yeah, cool. rated rated G, so n- no cursing, no blood, uh, out of Don Hertzfeld. Which so speaking of him, his his shorts. My oldest daughter uses as her gauge of whether people's sense of humor will will mesh with hers because she likes to show them his uh Oscar nominated or is it Oscar winning short uh rejected oh, and also and also the um the uh what is it wisdom teeth or loose tooth or whatever uh which is another <laughs> short so she will sit down with people and engage their response to say okay is this somebody that gets my sense of humor uh, that's uh, one of her her, her friend tests she's yes. a psyche valve for friend <laughs> yeah. development that's interesting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Let's uh, move into number ones. Uh, number you know, one. I, I think it, you right. know everybody should have a little blurb about their number one. Um, Andy, I, I was happy to hear that you actually mentioned this because I did expect to be ridiculed a little bit because I listened to your guys' show about this one. Um, it, it's it's interstellar for me. I've shared this with so many people. I weep uncontrollably with this. My favorite character in Interstellar is Tars. Um, uh, I say uh, anecdotally all the time when something needs encouragement. I just constantly say, come on, Tars. Come on, Tars. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I love this movie with all my heart. And one of the things that you guys said on the show that was really tough for me um, was one of the things that you didn't like about it was that love became a, uh, a metric. Right. It became a physical force or a force that the universe was subjected to. And this, for me, was the grand conceit of this movie, because it's something Mm. that uh, I'll just speak for myself. I don't understand uh, wholly as a human. And I loved the concept that was brought to this movie to say, we don't need to understand it. We just need to live it. And it. It, it, it's so exceedingly moving to me every time that the one thing I will say about this is we used to have a questionnaire on the next com, where uh, as hosts came to the show, they would fill out this questionnaire, you know, f- you know, all the different questions and all this stuff. And at some point there was a question, maybe Pete, you can help me with this with um, who is the uh, a groundbreaking filmmaker or something that that in history or something that you follow. And mm-hmm. this was I mean, I joined the show, I think, in 2012 or 2013. And at that point i had to say i hope this counts but it's christopher nolan and as you see for mm-hmm. me number one and number two are both christopher nolan i will see anything that he makes because i know that uh there is enough care and interest in the film behind it that i'm going to want to see it so interstellar is my number one of the decade i thought you were just working some alphabetical thing because you go with i tanya uh, <laughs> interstellar that may I be a winner I, for me hollywood if you want me to like it start it with all the I, my number one pick, uh, obviously it's already been said, and again, representative of the filmmaker's work. It is, uh, I I didn't want it when we saw the trailer. I didn't think we needed it. I didn't think the world had room for it. And I am delighted to have been proven wrong in 2018 with Denny's Blade Runner 2049. Nice. Uh, That was uh, I just, again, perfect filmmaking for me. Boy, he might be the uh, the director most populated in the yeah. top five, so, oh, yeah. which is right. uh, which is great to see. Although Nolan seems to be up there too. My number one, uh, you know, I 
yeah, I love these movies. I've kind of grown into the MCU. I wasn't quite the fan uh, initially, but I really kind of grew into it. I was endlessly impressed with the way that they shaped it. Um, and by the time we hit the the end with Avengers Endgame uh, this past year, I just was really floored by uh, by the ride that they took me on. And I know it's probably a little strange to have that as your number one, but it was an incredibly affecting film for me, and I was just amazed with the work that uh, that everybody put into the whole franchise. So Avengers Endgame ended up number one for me. Awesome. That's surprising there because that's. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I know. I know my Andy. I know Although he's apparently, going. artsy Andy is no more. Because no, 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 it's no, it's Mister MC. I'm popcorn yeah. Andy now. Um, no, no, it's it's a transformation. Pete loves horror, and and Andy loves the MCU. So no, that's that's a transformation that's happened over the decade. I guess. Yeah. Um, the, the, my number one shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I'll see if Andy can guess. We'll play our game, Andy. Oh, you, you know what my, At this point, you know I, don't, my, I don't even remember what everybody said. <laughs> <laughs> this one hasn't been mentioned. This oh. one hasn't been mentioned, and I know it, you're, I'll get an eye roll for this one. Does that give you a clue? Doesn't. No? No. Okay. Um, there. So I guess to know my my background. You know, English major, master of fine arts in creative writing, poetry. So when when movies speak in metaphor or rely on oh yeah. non traditional narratives. <laughs> um, that is something that is going to strike on, my I've heart. I've got to type it into my spreadsheet. Already. <laughs> it's going to strike my heart, you know, right there in my soul. And Terrence Malick did that with 2011's Tree of Life. Brad Pitt, <laughs> Jessica Chastain, Pete's favorite actor of the decade, Sean Penn, right? Um, just, you know, a compelling narrative about family and growing up. And for me, it just worked so well together to me. I can't think of a greater film for me for, for this decade. Clearly not a film for everybody, but it's one that uh, is is at the top of my list across. I, I haven't Malik's seen it. Malik's a challenging director. That's, I haven't yes, seen it. Uh, and I don't know whether I'm ready to be challenged in that way by him. Before we do Tommy's number one, because I think it's really interesting and I want to get into it. Uh, there's some movies that we didn't talk about that I think are kind of remarkable that on the list. No one had La La Land on their list. Uh, that was number 26 for me. Um, no one had Get Out on their list. Oh, yeah. Well, it was close. Number That's 30 for me. kind of shocking. It's 29 for me. I also had Ex Machina, um, I thought was a really interesting sh- uh, short movie. Ex, ex Machina. Uh, a machina, thank you. Ex Machina. Yeah. Ex yeah. Machina. Sure. All of that. Uh, Snowpiercer, uh, I thought was interesting. That's one that we did on the show as well. Um, yeah, that was on mine just a, just a little bit after. Yeah. And then I think the only other one that I would want to mention is um, What We Do in the Shadows. Um, yep. the, the uh, we talked about Taika Waititi, uh, and yeah. the, it's just those movies, the, I was amazed by what came out of Australia and New Zealand over the last decade, <laughs> because yes. in the early parts of my life, I didn't know that I was connected to that, but I think we saw a lot of great movies from them. And that movie is the most meta thing that I've ever experienced. That was at number 44 for me. Nice. I'm curious what your uh, collectively what your biggest surprises and regrets are off of this list. Do you have any of that sort of sucker punch like oh my gosh, I wish I had had room for this or or I can't believe that I'm I'm so thrilled that this one made it on the list? 
Mm. Well, uh, as I already said, I was really, because I had set that rule for myself where I was only letting each director on it once, uh, Blade yeah. Runner 2049 was the, the one that hurt the most to not include on my uh, yeah. my top list. Um, but I mean, I had, you know, my other directors that I had uh, duplicates of, Wes Anderson, um, Christopher Nolan, Bong Joon-ho, Ari Aster, and the Russo brothers. So I definitely had some yeah. hard ones to cut out. Oh, you know, as I looked at like my top, you know, flick chart, there were things that were in there. I'm like, well, I, I, I enjoy this movie, but does it, does it merit saying like greatest of the decade type of thing? So it's like, there's some personal things in there. Like, again, being a big fan of sci-fi, like the Martian is, is one of my, you know, big films that I, I just want it to be up there. But again, I had so many other things in there. And then of course, going in the teenage realm, you know, I, will always rave about me and Earl and the dying girl as just a really powerful film. But I, it, I think it, it works, but these other ones, I think just have a a greater resonance to them or there's something more. Um, yeah. La La Land, you know, I've, I've all actually, uh, La La Land and uh, whiplash, you know, that that's a filmmaker that I just don't love the trajectory he's going and maybe whiplash should have been maybe closer on my, maybe at the bottom of my list. Cause I really, really connect with that. And La La Land is one that I have mixed feelings about JJ on that one, because it is on my, t- according to my flick chart, it's up there, but it's one that just has not aged as well for me. So I, I think, think that's, that's yeah, those mm-hmm. are, those are the sort of the, my, my re- regrets on, on some of those things. Um, of what you know i think black clansman is you know i'm I'm glad that it's up there but it's it's hard for me to find space uh mine pete i we mentioned wes anderson before my favorite wes anderson was moonrise kingdom that was in there uh 41 uh silver linings playbook also showed up on my list um which i think deserves mention for just kind of a uh something that's a little different there and then uh we didn't really do a whole lot of comedy because you know it's hard to kind of bring up comedy but i think a movie over the decade that i think uh, merits mentioned too is crazy rich asians um it's actually a really solid film um that uh that deserved kind of all the attention that it got it was number 50 of the decade for me in the list as well. I there are some of the big surprises. The regrets. I mean, I, I I'm full of regrets. Coherence and predestination, and and I mean, Chef, uh, uh, safety not guaranteed. Um, me, Earl, and Dying Girl was on my regrets list. I just didn't quite make the list. The biggest, I, I think, the biggest regret though is when we did on the show, and it was I think it was a listener's choice, and it took me by complete surprise that I'm even thinking about it as hard as I am uh, years after we talked about it, and that's Force Majeure uh, 2014. That had a surprisingly big impact on me and on me as a father and a husband, and um, I I don't think the show that we did on it represents the impact that it's had on on me since we've talked about it, and so that surprised me that I'm still thinking about it. Um, the, The biggest surprise, I think, that even uh, crested on my list was Knives Out. Uh, that movie, I, I hope, is not suffering the curse of of recency. Uh, but I, I'm obviously still thinking about that and just the way it was structured and and uh, just how smart it was played. Uh, I can't I can't wait to see it That's again. That's awesome. So, yeah, what was really Tommy's number one? List. Number one, and it's not I, alphabetical, so I can only go into it assuming this really is. His number one film of the, decade. of the decade. I cannot believe that we are that we're setting this up as if we believe it. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot believe that we're letting that go. It is. Uh, How else Kurt, do you wish we to do this? Right. Hey, 
He added that in at the last minute, it looks yeah. like. It says it, that little edited comment yeah. on there. Yes. I you just watched it. It is uh, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, Tommy. Sorry, Tom. That's with you forever yes, yes. now. How many stars Number one, I, I number one of the decade. Oh. <laughs> according, yeah. according to Wikipedia, it is at a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So. Love it. 0%. Yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. Always the contrarian? It <laughs> could be. Yes. <laughs> the oh, and is. should I uh, rattle off real quick the uh, the top 10 that we ranked on our show over yeah. the year? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. So so number 10 comes in with our David Cronenberg series. It's Dead Ringers. Okay. Uh, number nine, just released today. It is the last of our Steve Martin series, All of Me. Uh-huh. Then uh, the Rocky crazy. franchise is going to have quite a showing here. Number eight, Rocky Balboa. Number seven, Creed Two. Number six, Rocky, and number five, Creed. Wow! <laughs> I guess we liked that franchise. But before yeah. you go on to the top five, uh, we should say these are the top shows that the next that we covered, covered. In, o- right. only in 2019. Correct. So the Correct. difference okay. than the decade here. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. right. Yeah. Okay. Number, number five. Number four, well, I already did number five was Creed. Oh, sorry. Yep. Number four, A Star is Born, uh, the most recent one, the the um, Bradley Cooper yep. version. Number three, we had Gaslight from our Ingrid, oh, Ingrid Bergman wow. series. Uh, number two, also Ingrid Bergman, Notorious. And number one, also Ingrid Bergman, Casablanca. Yay. Good yeah. job, guys. No showings from the Robin Hood series, <laughs> uh, the Spanish Apartment trilogy, or from uh, we were finishing up our 1968 Best Picture uh, series at the beginning of the year. And so none of those showed up. But uh, yeah, I, I would say that these all <laughs> were better than those. <laughs> well, since since the film board only existed in this decade, I was looking at how the film board, you know, in in knowing that it, it's limited number of films that were covered, but to see sort of what overlap there might have been between my top films and the film board. And it's interesting because, JJ, you mentioned a couple of these uh, that didn't show up on any list, but actually our, our film board number 10 is Doctor Strange. Number nine is World War Z. Eight, Get Out, one that uh, again, I was I was surprised. I thought that might have made it into to some. Yeah. Uh, seven, the Last Jedi. Six, Edge of Tomorrow. Five, Force Awakens, and then we get into familiar territory. Four, Logan. Three, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Two, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and one, Avengers Endgame, is where the film board sort of falls. So yeah, it's, it didn't surprise me in the top part, but yeah, I was I was curious to see if World War Z get out, you know, if those were going to make it onto this because they they're they're top of the film board there, and uh, Knives Out right there at number eleven, right there just on the cusp. It does surprise me that Get Out didn't get uh, didn't get represented on any of our lists. That is that is I think probably the biggest collective surprise. Yes, yeah. uh, especially yeah. I, I, yes. Tommy. I think Tommy might have gotten there with one more trip around the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, I, I mean, that get out, I found myself, I think this is interesting in terms of how, I'm curious how you guys put your list together. I mean, I started with my letterboxed and my flick chart. And, um, and then after I pulled those lists out and put them in a spreadsheet, I applied all the rules of getting rid of franchises, multiple directors screwed up here and there. But I also, like, even though Get Out is higher, on my generally on my list, if you go by the mechanics of those sites, uh, it it just it it got pushed down as I started moving things around and applying the rules and the filters, and uh, and I, it surprised me that that one actually probably suffered the most, maybe incorrectly because of my own mechanics. 
Yeah, like yeah. that also got shuffled out of my top 25 because uh, it is on my top 25 over on Flickchart. But as I was looking yeah. at that, I'm like, God, there's yeah. a lot of movies that should be in there. Yeah. And so as I was just kind of yeah. shuffling things around, it did get pushed out and I just didn't end up making room for it. Just like Edge of Tomorrow, which also yeah. likely could have been in there. A Quiet Place got pushed out, didn't end up in there. Yes. Wind River, yep. Room, The Revenant. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Interesting. It's hard. It's well, hard. This is doing a fun, this, uh, very challenging, and yeah. fun exercise. Yeah, yeah. very. True. I loved it. I, I'm ready to, to apply it to the 2000s now. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this lengthy sat mat. But hopefully, it's a, an enjoyable one. And uh, thanks all for listening and uh, supporting us over on Patreon. And uh, yeah, all of that good stuff. And uh, happy New Year! Happy New Year! Hondo New Year! I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.